0: Deep Dive, episode 45, round 19, review, I nearly said preview, how are you Mr. Smith? Oh, I'm good Trent, now, how are you? Nearly jumped the gun, went into the preview, but we've got a couple of hours now to sit down. couple of hours to talk about what happened on the weekend before we look at... The weekend ahead Yeah, the head, the head looks pretty interesting Next round Does. looks amazing But we've got a heap to talk about Massive game, obviously, in the Collingwood-Richmond game A lot of fascinating results We saw Catton win, yeah. which we don't see very good, often Good
1: upset in the, in the round There's always one or two, isn't there? So.
0: We saw the pace of Sydney, as we predicted, fall away Which was interesting We saw Melbourne just sort of hold on at the last second it looked pretty nerve-wracking at the last minute there but they did it absolutely
1: and geelong all of a sudden look like they're a fairly well glued and drilled team that we predicted a few weeks ago that just needed some time and some key pillars back which they're starting to get
0: yeah that's it and you know really interesting result obviously with north and west coast too so plenty to talk about big shout out to our sponsors at hopster home before we start So we're sitting now with a Dick Tracy Robust Red Ale. So get your tongue around that one to pronounce. Three Ravens Ballistic Beer Co. It's a collaboration. collaboration. So this is the whole thing in craft beer now. It's all gotten super hipster now. So breweries are working... Together to do collabs and all sorts of yeah. uh, very can't sort of, just have your own beers no. and stuff now, which is good. It keeps interesting. things
1: interesting. Yeah, exactly right. You couldn't
0: see Foster's and VB doing a collab. I wouldn't probably two E's and CB Wouldn't think so. Ooh, probably not so much. Bit more cutthroat, bit those cutthroat. Ways. Yeah. So no, it's really nice, robust red ale. So I've never really had a red ale that's. It's funny. It's sitting at five point six percent alcohol, but it tastes like it's sort of seven eight percent. It's quite intense. Oh, okay, it's, intense. Yeah. It's sort of halfway between a red ale and a stout. So it is it is really interesting so we got this one out of a pack obviously from hops to home so check them out hopstohome.com.au really interesting set of beers this month coming as well so definitely check them out the you've got enough time so if you get onto hopstohome.com.au you would have enough time for the the next month pack so they they ship them in the first week of every month so definitely check those guys out and if you do use the promo code afLDdove you get 25 dollars off the first pack which, as I said, we keep saying, their prices are really, really good. So with that twenty five dollars off, it becomes it's even better. Yeah. Exactly
1: right. And as an added bonus, you do not have to leave your house.
0: No leaving house. No, no extreme yeah. sitting down football. That's it. And I know
1: I say it fairly often, which some people may think that I'm a lazy sod, <laughs> but I'm the complete opposite. I just like no. the convenience of being able to get good quality beer at my doorstep. Yeah,
0: and I think the hard part is that with quality craft beer, like a lot of the chains don't stock a lot of decent beers and in terms of buying craft beer like you've obviously got a few retailers here and there but it's so convenient in that they send it out to you the shipping's really good the, the courier company they deal with leaves it at the door so there's no stuff around of having to go to the post office and collect it subsequently because yeah. that was a big thing for me I was like well if it's going to come out and leaving cards and like having to go to the post office and stuff around and all you that sort Might as well of. just go to an, well an go to independent the... Exactly yeah. but the the fact that they leave it at the door and they can you know put it in a safe place and all that sort of stuff it just makes it so much easier and with you know there's what is there over 300 craft breweries yeah, now it's, they do all the hard work for you they yeah. pick a
1: pack and you go all right yeah wouldn't have picked that wouldn't have picked that. oh i like that and then yeah. you, you just know so much
0: more of what's out there that's in it. the local craft beer market in the scene yeah and half the time i'll see you know people talking about a beer on, on twitter or instagram or something like that and i'll be like oh, yeah, i had that one last month in hopster home so it is really good and it kind of keeps you in in the loop so definitely check them out hopsterhome.com.au also off the top as well, for the people that missed last week, definitely check out our new Facebook show. So every Tuesday night from here right through to the end of the season, we're doing a Facebook show. So we've teamed up with Beyond the Game. So we're doing it on their channel, on their Facebook page. So if you look on Facebook, uh, look up Beyond the Game and it'll come up. It's a really switched on sports website that covers a lot of different sports, but they do do a fair amount into AFL as well. And they approached us and said, hey, would you guys, we like the podcast, you know, we would it if you guys would do a live show just chatting about footy for sort of 35 40 minutes and kind of going over the more kind of overall conversation around football not so much drama stuff but you know overall game conversation like we're about to talk for I'm sure an hour and a half to two hours and we, we just don't have time to yeah. go into Gillian McLaughlin's you know horrendous week last week so that that's or, an example of what we can do in yeah, the Yeah, or
1: the round 23 draw, fixture. fixture has been uh, released Please. so we wouldn't normally talk about that so we've got a platform yeah. now that we can talk about it on
0: and we've been wanting to do a you know some sort of video so that this kind of provides that for us and it just allows us to chat about other stuff and we do so we went into the the Collingwood Richmond game for example so we kind of pick a game or two that are, that are upcoming and and chat a bit about it but we, we do a good sort of 15-20 minutes kind of talking overall whether it's you know congestion or a rule or sort of you know more spec- overall specific stuff that we just don't get time to talk about when we're directly talking about the game. Because if it comes up in conversation in relation to the game, we'll bring it up. But if it doesn't, we've got to get through nine games and we cover all 18 teams. So there's just physically not enough time. Not enough time, exactly. So definitely check that out. So we're doing it every Tuesday at 7.30, on, as I said, on Beyond the Game. So definitely check that out if you do like their page. or And I'll post it on all our social media as and well. 7.30...
1: Australian Eastern Standard Time Eastern Standard Time if, we do have PM a lot of, as well yeah PM we do have a lot of
0: uh, listeners, listeners in WA and yeah. around the country and around the world exactly so 7.30 uh, East Coast time of yep. Australia so definitely check that out it was a lot of fun we did the first show last week I think that was it we really enjoyed it and, and Ed was really happy with it as well from beyond the game so yeah we're, we're going to get some question time building at the back end of the episode as well so there was a few people interacting on the, the actual Facebook live chat which was great so we had some good conversations with people and there was a few people that pointed out some really interesting things about the game and we read out a couple of questions that we'd gotten on our email so if you'd like to contribute to it you can either do it on the Facebook show or if you want to send it through to afldeepdive at gmail.com that's another way of doing it as absolutely. well so, or just hit us up on social media whatever you know how to do it so yeah definitely check it out really really good fun show that, that we're yeah looking forward to keeping on doing throughout the year and then also obviously leading up to finals there's just so much to talk about every, every single week absolutely so.
1: there is so talking about Talking a lot about football, shall we get stuck straight into Let's do it. the preview? So Sorry. Friday night,
0: Friday night on the 27th of July, we had Essendon versus the Sydney Swans. So as we tipped, so we went with the Bombers. We just felt the pace throughout the game would really, really hurt the Swans, and it really, absolutely did in the end. So 109 to 66, so Bombers by 43 points. So 1519 to 106. How did you see this?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, as a lot of uh, pundits out there, we build this as one of the better games of the round, or so it would be, and for the best part of three and a bit quarters, it really was. Yeah. Essendon and always looked like they were going to threaten and uh, pull away with the game, but Sydney just hung in and hung in and hung in, and and then Buddy started to look like he was finding his straps. He, he got to the ground late. He got there at halftime, and and then it was it was cut short, and the Dons just with their pace of really, really built around the, the playing list that they've got now and the evo- evolution of, of what they've had to do considering the number of players that have come in and out uh, throughout the season. So they've done really well. And I'll get to it after you've had a bit of a, a chat about the game, just my sort of opinion about yeah. why Essendon probably were a bit sluggish at the start of the year and now building towards. I've got, I've got a funny feeling they, they did a certain training block deliberately. right? And we'll get into that. Further, okay. But I thought this game was a really balanced team effort from Essen. Obviously, the, the cream of the cream uh, rose. Devin Smith was excellent. Merritt was building on his last mother, He was superb, even though he got punched in the head. I thought uh, their captain again just had a really outstanding game.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good game. I mean, the scoreline's funny. So it is one of those games. So Sydney really should have gone into the halftime break up. So they had the, there were those two ridiculous last goals for and So the final score at halftime, 6-7 to 6-4. So if you did miss this game, this game was very even. A quarter time, 2-3 three to 3-3. Three, three. Swans had, you know, okay control in the first quarter. They really were forcing Essendon to play Swans football, especially at Etihad. They've done a, a good job of that. And, you know, there's only really a few games that have sort of gone off the chain for them, and certainly some have been more recent. And then 6-7 to 6-4. And, yeah, there was a couple of issues towards the back end of that half, which we will get into. But interesting game. But then Bombay's... Pretty much entirely in the look The yes, the third quarter was competitive 11 11 to 10 5, but then the, the no, you know, one point in that fourth quarter from City, so no goal in the fourth quarter. And Essendon you know, piled on another four, and it really should have been a lot worse like 15 19. There's a heap of behinds there that should have gone the other way. So it's a yeah, look, it's a funny game in that you know. Sydney weren't horrible but at the same time yeah I mean the the scoreline's not ideal and we we won't do a ladder recap this week because there's not really too much that's changed but obviously the massive one is is Sydney dropping five positions Yeah absolutely so they're sitting out of the eight now Yeah which which is, is shocking in a lot of ways and it's funny you and I predicted, and this is you know not trying to you know buy a ticket ourselves, but we both predicted without talking to each other that Sydney would just miss the eight, and for a long time through this season we both thought oh well we got that wrong, and we got a bunch of stuff wrong. We both had the dogs in the eight, so we got yeah. that, we obviously got that wrong, but. It it's shocking to say that it might actually come to yeah, pass. Yeah, they just miss out. Yeah, they and it's for no fault of their own. Obviously,
1: some of their key personnel, senior players, have got injuries towards the end of the year that hasn't helped a lot at all. And now it has exposed their um, disparity between the the youth that are really young and haven't had a lot a lot of games, and their more seasoned players who are quite old and they are starting to look a little lethargy. I'm not writing them off completely, but I think now they they're in the hardest position to to get into a final because they play legitimate teams
0: for the next four weeks so their run ahead is terrible and we are going to go into that on the show tomorrow night because that 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 deserves deeper discussion rather than just the normal talk we would do on this and then obviously the preview we talk more about it but their run ahead looks horrendous there's a big chance they're not only missing the eight but they could be two or three positions out of the eight and obviously their their
1: number one weapon in in Franklin is he's got to be sore he's carrying an injury or, or something because he and I'm not Putting Michael Hurley down, I thought Michael Hurley was brilliant on him. Yeah, and but Buddy wasn't moving with the same type of movement that he usually has. He was a little bit slower pizzazz. off the mark. He didn't have his possession. No. He didn't have that little zip um, that he has. He couldn't push off as well. Physicality yeah. was gone. Yeah, so yeah, I, I wouldn't just like we thought Hannonbury weeks ago
0: was carrying injury, and they came out and admitted that he was running around with a Well, Buddy with, missed with, that with game smart. around the similar time to him as well. Yeah. So look, yeah, you're right. It's, it's fascinating to know what's going on with him. So we'll start with Essendon. Obviously, they they did end up winning. The game—it's yeah. hard not to talk about Sydney, and we will obviously do that pretty heavily through this episode. But yeah, I mean, we'll start with Essendon because, it, but the story, in a lot of ways, it's—it's it's, you can argue, obviously, yes, Essendon's continuing this incredible run to try to make the finals and you know making this really incredible late charge but you know big story obviously sydney's dropping and you know the way it went but we'll go into it i mean i I thought the umpiring throughout the whole game was extremely poor like we don't generally go into umpiring but i it it stood out out of this game without kind of wasting too much time and it was outrageous like there was a couple of holding the ball decisions that were just completely missed so that, that was sort of highlighted early, which was a bit of a shame, a bit of a blight on the game really early. But the pressure from Sydney early on was actually pretty good. But the Essendon absorbed it. They hung in there. I mean, 2-3, 3-3. Three, three, three. They're only a goal behind at quarter time. It wasn't like they got blown away. But he, as, as you said as well, was, was completely beaten all night. But, you know, he was pretty much playing on one leg. Like I, I, Looking at him, it looks like he's got groin issues. It looks like he might have multiple other issues as well. So it is really hard to know. But the, look, the, the dangerous thing with Essendon is just they have so many lines that they can run. They've just got so many, so much pace, and it it, it murders teams. And you look at Devin smith like he's he you can mount an argument he's been the best recruit of you know throughout the last couple of years he's is unbelievable like as good as gws gws are going imagine they had him still there as well like he's just They'd unbelievable
1: They would be sickening to have him back in that
0: side how
1: how well they're playing and it would probably be devastating to essen if he wasn't there so Massive recruit Massive recruit I, I honestly agree I think he's probably The recruit of the year now We had Cameron At yeah. the Lions Initially And he was playing Brewing football Obviously he hasn't played For a lot of The second half of the year now And yeah Devin Smith I, he, I'd be surprised If he's not all Australian I think he'll be Right up there When it comes Brown load time as well
0: Yeah you'd think so So Aaliyah again You know He, he was trying But he, he certainly Didn't have the same Sort of impact He had in the North game Rampy just wasn't as up to scratch Grundy didn't look like he was at the pace that you know AFL demands you to be at nowadays and yeah look I mean Essendon were really impressive all night and they just kept pushing and I think They've got the confidence in, in each other now to know that at some point they're going to break the line. So they just have to yep. keep pushing and pushing. Just hang in there. And if it takes time to get that game plan right. And Swans do a great job of choking. They do a really good job of blocking as well. But as, as the game went on, you know, Tip and Woody built a lot of the a lot of their defense got better as well. You know, I mean obviously Hurley was 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 pretty good throughout the, the week. Just gone. I mean Jones, that so there's that hit as well. So Jones copped two weeks. I thought Saad bobbed up here and there. That that was quite good as well. You know, Stringer looked early, looked like they brought him back way too early, but he was okay sort of towards the back end. But as the game yeah. went on, Essendon got faster and Sydney got slower. And that's yeah. ultimately where the game was won. I mean, they just got smashed in inside 50s by the very end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which leads me into where um, I was leading before when it comes to Essendon and why I think they were sluggish uh, at the start of the year and now that they're starting to produce some of the really good fo- football. Obviously, they've all bought into Wush's style and um, gelling with each other, but they've realised, and it's probably their... Conditioning coaches AFL Everyone talks about Is a marathon It's not a sprint And I reckon They've got them training Like a marathon runner Would train So you have certain blocks And in the early part You do a really uh, You sort of ease into After your pre-season And then all of a sudden You do this big block And it's massive K's And they would obviously do Massive weights And all that type of stuff and then you taper off as you get towards race day. And so race day for AFL is finals. And I reckon that's why they were sluggish for those six to eight weeks at the start of the year. And all of a sudden, bang, they're all on fire. Obviously, there's other key components, but I'm just talking with that. Like, we saw that game. Well, I went to the game against Hawthorne and I saw them live and that, they, were, oh, yeah. they were very sluggish. Uh, like they had been just running around with sandbags on their back the week before, so to have that turnaround, I think the strength and conditioning team, the coaches, uh, and obviously the playing group together have gelled and come together. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out that that's reason why they were a bit slower at the start of the year, because yeah, the legs were just really heavy and they should and Mark Neal as well. Uh, Forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. And him too. Maybe he was running this. Program. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing the program. They got him out. Again. It's not working. Yeah. We need something else. So that's just my sort of two Possibly cents it's, worth it's about hard them. Hard to know, isn't it? It's yeah. Hard to know. And you just hear some, like, you go years back and, and, Especially once the players retire or the coaches retire from the game they go, Yeah, well this is what we used to do in the preseason, and that's why we were so it might be ages before we bring it out. There these are the insider tips that they're not gonna say yay or nay to if anyone brings it up but it is
0: well it is funny how Essen and you know so the the other thing too was Earlier on, offensively, I thought Essendon were really unorganised. But as it built throughout the game, it wasn't just that they got faster. They grew in confidence throughout the game. And they were, as I said, their entries were really predictable early. But as it went, it got a lot harder for, for Sydney to read. A big part of that was they were slow as hell. But at the same time I thought they got way more organised. And you know, when you've got Hep or Myers and Merritt nearly getting ninety disposals between the three of them. Yeah. You're, you're you're doing really well. Absolutely. Zaharakis was excellent as well. You know, As we mentioned Smith already, I thought Fantasia was good. He really could have had a night out. He kicked one three, so he really should have at least kicked yeah. two two as a bare minimum what Woody we mentioned too? Could see Aaron Francis
1: yeah. finally back, and I, I, am like, we the, flagged that that would happen, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, many people out there I reckon he stays in that team for the rest of the year now. Just to give him some continuity and just got a good chance to yeah yeah, absolutely so I I I think he can only grow and and add more depth and uh, complexity to a team that's flying.
0: Early on, I wrote down a note. I just wrote that the Swans structure at stoppages so well, and their ability to hit over the back is really good. But it's funny, like I think a lot of that was just Essendon were unorganised early on. I think that's a real issue for them. I think they need to work on structures early on in games, and I noticed it again. Richmond as well so look it's something that I, I think they'll, they'll build throughout the year and they'll build definitely in the offseason to you know be a much better team next year but yeah look good game I mean it's a lot of lot of interesting things that come out of it and it is hard to not talk about Sydney because it is it is such a, a fall from grace so it's actually been five years since they had 100 points kicked against them so that's yeah, a that's a long, yeah, that's that's a a long time. time yeah so I wasn't sure if you saw that it's, yes, it's a fascinating scenario I mean, so Lance uh, Franklin So on SEN before the game I heard a few people really confused about this Saying this was after the game of The press conference It wasn't It was before the game on SEN Horse uh, Longmire was saying That uh, Buddy's had around 20 minutes of training this year So a few, again, a few people Got confused about that And said, what? He's literally rocked over Training for 20 minutes No, so he would have been Doing like swimming He would have been doing You know, basic sort of running And little bits and pieces But in terms of like Contact, hardcore Full on training, yeah. Where the 20s a bit hyperbolic, but yeah, probably too. But he's degree, obviously but going to the gym and doing all that type of yeah, stuff, he yeah. can't get on to the you mean, it, and he's a freak, but I don't think he's no. that much of a freak. Kids <laughs> struggle, yeah. So that's that, obviously, that was a that fascinating thing to hear. And yeah, I mean, when I heard that, I just thought, wow, that's that's interesting. Obviously, it's interesting, quite an omission to admit. Publicly, too, that that's what Buddy's doing. He kicked eight in round one, and he's dominated in the first half of the year, but his second half has massively dropped off. He can't be all Australian now. There's no way he's into that side. And the other thing, too, is when Kennedy gets one clearance... For the whole game, he had a decent game. Well, not having at Kennedy, but one clearance. Is, yeah, when he's, he's probably, probably averages around six or seven. Yeah, he generally he's like he he well when he nearly got the brownie, he's you know he's a bull. like yeah. he can easily get that's five his, six average. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So injuries obviously really hurting the Swans, and that's the thing that you know Grundy was off the ground for for periods of time as well. There was a whole range of things. It just wasn't their night. And look, they, they did a really good job at forcing Essendon to place Swan's footy for a good sort of 35-40 minutes. Mm. But you need to do that for way longer. And then the other thing too is, you know, it's all well and good to do that. But then offensively, when you're, you know, only just kicked 66 points and, and Buddy had the night that he had, there's no way you're going to beat any of the top sides. No. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep moving. There's, there's a few things that are worth talking about in relation to both teams, but we we'll might leave that for the preview because we've got heaps to talk about throughout this round. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, look, good. You Know clearly, massive credit to Essen and yeah, they, they, they were the better team, clearly, yeah, they absolutely. deserve to win it. And these two teams both have a horrendous run home, so it's, it's tough footy to both play of them have a, a really hardcore run home. So, we will talk about that on the Facebook show and then also on the preview as well. But, um, yeah, look, massive, massive credit to them. And you know, when you've got, as I said, when you've got a lot of these top. Guys in their mid, just you know, getting such high numbers and doing so well with the ball, and just growing in confidence throughout throughout the game. Game. That's great. And if they can come into games, you know, obviously it'd be great if it starts next week. But um, you you kind of get the feeling that Essendon either will just miss out in finals, or they might just sneak in. But you don't feel like that. I don't know. Maybe they will do a lot of damage. But the big thing for me is if they can come into a game with that confidence. You look at. Richmond or even Collingwood as well, and from the start of the game, they basically come in and completely trust the system and have complete confidence. And there yeah, are you've got to be game on completely to to right from the very beginning. Yeah. And there are some players that that do so. Generally speaking, most of the time, Heppel's Heppel, you know right up and about. Yeah, and Devin Smith and yeah. Zach Merritt now Hurley. Yeah. yeah, like a lot there, but that bottom tier, you, you know, you need. I know Merritt's been better, but to have him come from the get go just blaring it. Zaharakis is always trying, but that's that's why that's the gap between your lower eight and your top eight. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll keep moving because we've obviously got a heap to talk about. So next into the massive game of the round. So Richmond versus Collingwood in what was a classic game, I thought at least for three quarters. 105 277 16 9 to 125 so an accurate game as well and Richmond in the end by 28 points what did you think yeah look it's
1: almost a mirror of Friday night yeah game Collingwood again like Sydney got injuries we're super competitive for three and a bit quarters and then the ability of Richmond and the the fitness and speed of not just the mids but the entire Richmond team mm. just blew Collingwood out of the park in that last bit, um, quarter right. and a bit yeah absolutely And you look at the scorelines, I mean, it was 15-19 to 10-6 in the Essendon Swans, and then Richmond Pies, it's 16-9 to 12-5. So yeah. even fairly similar game. And I think we'll see in a few weeks when the Tigers play and how similar they are. Yeah. You know, it, fitness um, perspective, not anything else, we'll know more later on. But yeah, look, interesting game. Uh, you and I both were pretty confident in the TIGs because of Collingwood's uh, injury list and their fitness of Richmond. And just, I mean, for two years now, Richmond have been playing this style of football. They know each other extremely yeah. well their ability just to just have 360 degree vision every player almost just knows where the next Richmond player is and, or if they don't they feel confident yeah. in just as long as they're going forward with that ball or knocking that ball forward it's going to be one or two teammates around it to keep moving it forward they're, they're a uh, very special team to watch and they could go down as one of the greatest of the modern era at the very least yeah it's
0: obviously early days but I mean this this to me was a better game than the Friday night but I do know what you mean oh, I a mean, better game
1: you're visually the, absolutely well the big thing was
0: I mean 15-19 is a pretty bad scoreline like obviously they won but it's not even 50% like whereas you look the the great thing about this game was it was accurate for both teams so 16-9 and 12-5 is great like that's uh, I thought it was for you know pound for pound as good as a lot of games this year and for three quarters it was elite and the level was just that little bit up like it was just that next gear and it it goes back to what i was saying a minute ago about trust and just that ability to work uh, as a team and how well both teams peeled off and just how well they both switch and yeah it was a Beautiful game to watch for three quarters. You know, the the big thing if you miss this game, Collingwood were gassed in the fourth quarter. So they they just didn't have the the weapons to to keep going throughout that period. And, you know, it's not just fitness. A lot of it was, that's to some degree, but a big part of it was obviously the injuries. So Sharonberg did his ACL really early. So again, so it's his third ACL, which is obviously horrible. So yeah, look, I mean, the injuries are really starting to pile up, which is something that you flagged last week. And I sort of thought, oh, well, it's not that bad, is it? But yeah, I mean, you look at it on paper; it is starting to get a lot worse. Kind of looks like what Adelaide's was at the start of the year. Yeah, it's absolutely building now, and we will talk about that at some point. Maybe mm. in the, we'll let's do that in the previews preview because it's yeah. more more for next week. But yeah, I mean, they had multiple players. So Howe, as well, was off for ages. So having you know two, three rotations down through a lot of it, it really hurt against a team like Richmond. They they just couldn't do it for the game. But fascinating game, and obviously Richmond started very very well. I think something I noticed really early was the timing of Richmond's tackles. So just their ability to, to get to a contest and, and how well they timed their tackles is something that was really interesting. There's a lot of tactical things that, that I thought came out of this game that were really good to watch. So Greenwood went to Martin early. So Martin started in the midfield. And Greenwood had him covered, which was fascinating. And then they put Martin forward, and then that yeah, was it. See you later. Yeah, and it's amazing to have a player of that quality that if he's beaten in there, they just throw him forward and then he can go forward and, and dominate. I thought, you know, that goal from Castagna early was a, a really sort of ominous field that Richmond were very on. So Castagna obviously quite recently has been really out of form in terms of his goal kicking, you know, he kicked five points against the Giants. And yeah. that that was that that early was sort of like, yep, yeah, they're on here. Yeah. And and a lot of players got a Around him, and you thought, no, no, they're, they're, they're really up for this game. But Collingwood were excellent all day. They had a lot of answers. They nullified things really well. They're such a well coached team now. Darcy Moore. I mean, if they can sign him up, it, it's it's going to be so good for Collingwood. All you hear, all the noise, is that he is going to Sydney, but I've, well, I don't. I have no idea either way. But I mean, gee, Collingwood would, would absolutely love to keep him because I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, it,
1: it's it's a fascinating uh, point that you bring up there, and we won't go into too much detail. But Collingwood really need to target another player. They get. All those players no. that are on the injury list back. They don't need a, another big player. They could keep Darcy Moore. Obviously, between him and Cox, they've got targets up. And he helps the back line in a case at the moment when they've got key injuries to big key defenders. So, yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, it, it's it's good to see that he's back on the field and hopefully he can... He looks uh, great. Yeah, just continue to see out the year and,
0: and hopefully play finals footy with well, the Pies. He's found his place. Like, he yeah. is a defender. And I know the big problem with Collingwood over the last couple of years with the amount of injuries they had, and, you know, a lot of their players just hadn't come along as yet, so they had to use him as a forward. But he's, he's, a, he's a defender, and he's an outstanding defender. And he, yeah. He's building his craft, and, I mean, he'd be a Sydney would, uh, no wonder they're into him. He, he'd be fantastic there. But, I mean, look, I, for me, I, obviously the thing that's, that's holding it all is what's going on with Lynch, and... It was reported last week that Collingwood tabled their offer to Lynch. I have no idea whether that's true or not, but that was what was reported. I, they're obviously holding off to see how much money they have left over. Because if, if he's going to Richmond or Hawthorne or wherever the hell he goes, the, the reality is they're going to need that money. They, you know, the, It all depends yeah. on what happens. Because it's, yeah. it, it's a big number, so they've got to sort of work out what's going on. And that that's just the nature of, of modern football. But anyway, we'll keep moving. But I thought Moore was, was fantastic. The big thing for me early and where the Pies were really struggling, Collingwood would do well throughout. I mean, so there's sort of two sides to it. So Collingwood's entries and their forward 50 movement, it just has to get faster. I mean, I think sometimes... There were periods through the game where... You know, they iso-cocks and hit him up really fast, and that's fantastic. And there are times where he is, and the whole structure, offensively, is, is elite. And that's great. But they, I think they need to get a little bit more consistent with that throughout the game. There was just small periods where their entries were just super slow. And they, they were giving Richmond a leg up, basically. It wasn't just that Richmond's defense was very good. It, it wasn't even so much that the entries were predictable. They were just slow. slow. They were just slow. <coughs> At all, they, they, were, they were kicking to advantage in making the lead too long to the point that it allowed way too much time for Richmond to either intercept or create a stoppage and that's the thing Richmond are so good at that you give them a, a, a tiny window and and they'll figure it out yeah absolutely again that's just another point uh, where the injuries are show, starting to show yeah. with Collingwood no, it's yeah. just
1: not obviously on the day they lost two players, but that other mounting list is just starting to really, really show. And and you can't afford to do it against any team, especially not Richmond. Obviously, Richmond are not just the best team as far as the pressure, but they are so good with ball movement. Yeah, uh, and they're fast, and and they will pick up any little um, miss. Lap or stuff, any yeah. kicks like that, and yeah, and you can't afford to to do it. Richmond will just
0: um, punish you. I don't punish you. That's let's let's talk for. about that. So, as an example, this happened in the Geelong game in the Richmond Geelong game, and it's happened in other games. To successfully beat Richmond, you need to have the kick to handball ratio relatively even. So, if you look consistently. So Richmond will force so what they do is they, they they work in a in a cluster, so to speak. So they crowd you and they force you to handball. But Richmond would prefer people to handball at at, at every single opportunity. So they crowd you, they make it difficult for short chip kicks, and they create a, a situation and a structure where the opposition at least six out of ten times, seven out of ten times when they're really up and about to go to, to handball. On where why they do that is they're so good at intercepting poor handballs they are unbelievable, unbelievable. at doing yeah. it so just just watch that uh, tactic it's it's really specific and they've been doing it for ages and the irony is Collingwood do that to other teams too so it's absolutely a thing that teams are trying to yeah, do yeah there's
1: one other team that's starting to implement it as well and that's Melbourne
0: yeah Melbourne yeah. are good at it too yeah I mean Melbourne's got so much um, well they've just got so much talent everywhere but they in some they kind of, well it's funny like I think they've got a bit more humility about their side now which is another whole discussion but yeah yeah no look I think you're, you're right and Richmond's ability to draw an error is elite and that's the thing like you look, at, you look at a lot of great sportsmen. You look at, I mean, Federer is a classic example of this, not to compare the two, but as an example, you know, like his ability to draw an error from his opponent and Rafa as well is, is unbelievable. It's not just that he's winning a lot of points, he makes you draw an error. That's yeah. the thing. And just, you know, how many times do, do Richmond force, a team to go for one more handball. They think, "Oh, a little bit, little bit, little yeah. bit." And then that's it. Yeah. So, jo- Jordan constantly. Jordan
1: did it on the yeah. on the basketball court for those. who can remember him. Everyone remembers him as this high scoring, but yeah. that's because he was able to defend extremely well. He was defensive well. player of the year. Yeah, and and yeah. an effective turnover, and then he release him. An easy shot. So, yeah. yeah. And that's what Richmond do. They, they've got a setup where that pressure is, is so intense that they get the turnover and then they spread. Well, because they've got the run. Exactly. Because they've got the run and they can
0: hunt in packs. In front of the ball, like forward of the ball, they're ridiculous. Just force an error. That's all you have to do. So, half the time, in most teams will run a chain of maybe three or four handballs and then by then they would be close to the forward 50. Because there's so much pressure, you struggle to get 25, 30 metres with two to three handballs because they're short and they're often ineffective. Yeah. and you look at you look at kicking percentage was normally that can be and his handball as well. But his kicking, as an example, that can normally be up to you know really decent in terms of the rest of the competition. Like he's an elite player. There were sections where he was down to you know 26 percent. Yeah, and it was the exact same thing with um, side bottom as well. So I just thought that was worth mentioning as a tactic because it works. So well, and there's not much you can do. Like this, you basically just have to. The only time where Collingwood were able to to drive the ball forward and drive the ball forward quickly was when they just were playing, you know, lights out football and were able to hit targets completely out out of the blue. And yeah, you no, know, amazing effort from from both teams to put on these three quarters. It's um, yeah, it was it was a great game. But you know, Richmond's link up, their fitness, it's something I wanted to talk about as well. I mean, I I would love to know what the story was after the flag, and I'm sure we'll find out about it in time, but it is fascinating to to know. I wonder whether there was the conversation around the Western Bulldogs and how they rocked up after preseason. And, and it, it's fascinating to know what the, what the story is because Richmond, look, and now we're really deep into the season. We're nearly into finals. Richmond look about the fittest side in the league. Yeah, they, look absolutely. About as, they look as as fit as anyone, whether they're the fittest, I don't, I don't know. But they ran out that game easily. Like easily. They, they, they could no, have gone another quarter. They could easily have gone another 20, 30 minutes, for sure. Yep. Like, they look so good. And, yeah, I mean, again, a lot of offensive structures, again, and this is we talk about this constantly, but so much of Richmond's offensive style is so unpredictable. So, again, two shots to rewalt, next shot to come in, they make it look like they're going to rewalt. Rewalt acts as the decoy, open space for Caddy. It's simple, but it works. It works yeah. And it's 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 the the ability to be that diverse makes it so much harder for a defence. And Moore had an amazing day out and he still couldn't couldn't, you know, nullify a lot of what was coming in. So but no. yeah, look, they need they needed everything on the field and obviously massive out with Degoei. So when we did the preview we didn't know Degoei wasn't going to be playing. We still tip Richmond, but I mean, that's a massive out. Massive he, out. Just, he's good for two or three goals, absolutely. And, then, and then then the more pressure comes on, and then who knows? So I'm not. Yeah, I mean R- Richmond were excellent, but they absolutely could have been beaten that day. They're not yeah. unbeatable. That's the thing. Everyone, they're not unbeatable. everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, Richmond, you know, they're they're, they're shoeings. How many times have we seen so Sydney Sydney were favorites against the Dogs, lost it. Geelong were favorites against Hawthorne in 08, lost it. it. It's not guaranteed, you yeah. Just because you've been fantastic through the year does not guarantee you the flag. It seems year in year out you see all, so much of the of the mainstream media, uh, you know, in, in terms of AFL talking about how it's basically guaranteed. How? How is it guaranteed? A beat, they are a beatable side, and there are sides that are playing two and a half to three quarters against them. If a couple of them are able to get most of their keep their players together, like Richmond really haven't had too many injury issues. Yeah, geez, you just you just never know. Absolutely, you just, and anything can happen on Grand Final day. That's anything thing. Anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, it's last, a crazy day. Last year was a prime example. <laughs> of favourites. favourites
1: by a country mile. Anyway, so, so. yeah. Interesting, but yeah, the only thing at the moment is they've probably shown uh, shown up the minor premiership. That's yeah. almost that's almost a given now. They've got a, not an easy run home, but they've got a comfortable run home. Three more games at the MCG, I believe. Mm. Got a game ahead of. Uh, West Coast with West Coast losing, so you would think the, yeah. the minor premiership is pretty
0: much theirs now. Yeah, probably. They definitely but you don't, still don't know. No, <laughs> exactly. seasons, because, well, yeah. Sydney just dropped five positions. I'm not yeah. saying that's going to happen. Not with, Jesus. With... <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> be... Not saying that's going to happen, no, no. but at the same time. So anyway, we'll keep moving because there's a heap to heap discuss to talk, yeah. out of this game, especially. But side bottom and Pendles, even though you know I said aspects of their game were down. That's pressure. They were fairly vintage throughout the game. Yeah. So obviously the other thing we have to acknowledge: the longest run at the G, so 18 in a row, so that's the longest stretch in history. Yes they've had a pretty good run at it, but still that's still a massive effort in anyone's book absolutely short as well so let's talk a little bit about that scenario so towards the back end of the first quarter so short for Richmond so there were two and this is just poor organization from Collingwood just not being on top of it so this is just little maturity things that they'll pick up along the way and I still think Collingwood can do damage in finals uh, this year but I, I think next year they're going to be very very dangerous and you know this this is something that I'm sure they'll, they'll pick up as time goes on. But short, so he, you know, there were two handoff goals. So there were two marks by Richmond players, you know, 45, 50 out. Both of them were probably struggling for distance. Short, if people have been watching football, and he's a brand new player, but he can kick a long way. He can kick a good 60 metres plus. uh, Two times, two in a row, hand pass off and, and, he, and he got it so got it, yeah. the second time especially not covering him off when there was effectively the exact same scenario yeah, again, exactly and it
1: wasn't the, the ease of it it was no. the fact that there was Collingwood players with their backs to him within the area where they could have quite easily picked him up or at least Seem to be yeah. in a position that he can't run in and kick a goal from. He's going to be under too much pressure, but didn't they just didn't do it? So they're those lapses in games that you can't afford to. Well, you can't afford to do it against any team, but let alone Richmond, because Richmond no. are just they're just switched on. Every player that
0: comes onto that ground it, from the start right through, they're all switched on. There's so much to talk about. Like there's so many subplots in this game. So the, Stevenson didn't really have a massive day out, but that chase was amazing to watch. Yeah. The, the, the Richmond. Fair to say before you go. Fair no, to say though, he did he did get a, a bit of a whack down he did. down below, so it's that true, probably, yeah. probably didn't help didn't his help cause. It. No, no. Uh, it but, uh, that was great to watch. It was just so exciting with the noise. And speaking of the noise, I mean, there were multiple incidents where the players just literally couldn't hear play on. Like the umpires were screaming and screaming and screaming, screaming, and you could hear it on the broadcast because <laughs> they're mic'd up. But the players on the ground couldn't hear anything, so it was a prop. I don't know if you hear this sort of you know catchphrase, but it was absolutely finals type football. And I hope this is one of the prelims. This would be all the grand finals would be an incredible. Absolutely, game. Would be. Bit of a shame it didn't cross the ninety thousand. I, I think some of was it just short was it eighty eight. And I mean, look, some of the to me, I, I didn't hear much of this. I don't know where this has been spoken about, but I think some of the messaging needs to get a bit better from whether it's the MCC or, um, you know, membership from both the clubs, but then also general admission, because so much of the messaging four or five days out was that it was completely sold out. So it's obviously not. There were at least, you could fit, it, you know, obviously another, you know, eight 9,000 in there. Yeah, so that's really I, poor. I don't know. I think that was poor, and I don't know what happened. I don't know how or what happened there, but there was a lot of talk, and all you heard from everybody was that it was sold out. So the, the AFL... In general, needs to get better at messaging so that that message isn't gotten out until it's legitimate. Because yeah. that when you got games like that, see, I, I assumed it was completely sold out because it, I'm being it's, told that. So we've what, absolutely. What yeah. Well, why are you saying that then? And
1: if there's and if it's corporate reserve seating, there should be a cutoff yeah. for big games that the AFL can then release those spots to general public and, Absolutely. And, and they've got the power they to do be that able, in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, broad broadcast across all different platforms, social media, yeah. real media, on all the radio stations, blah 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 blah. And you go. I mean, I'm going to the footy this weekend, and I thought it was
0: a sellout on the first website I looked at. No. Well, they need to get rid of Ticket Tech, which is another whole story. Yeah, that's but true. They should run their own their own thing. But as an example, very briefly, the uh, game one of the NBA finals just gone. There was a, a corporate group that didn't rock up, and they um, sold just just sold a general admission, yep. sold like another twelve tickets. And you know, why would you want that that space free? So, anyway, yeah, obviously, NBA has a much smaller ground. I get it, but still, anyway, they got to fix that up. But we'll, we'll keep going through the game. Obviously, the yeah, the, the where the game's won, I mean, the injuries... If they'd had Degoe, Howe, and Scharenberg doesn't do his ACL for the third time, obviously so much bad luck. It's like Bucks has walked under 30 different ladders. But, I mean, had that not happened oh, this game would have gone absolutely right down to the wire. So it was a bit of a shame it did the three quarters, but it still was was excellent. Another one that I, I didn't hear much talked about, I haven't seen much coverage so much of um, the game on the weekend, but Edwards was amazing as well. Like, he is just so, so good. So good, yeah. Someone yeah. to rate it, like, just so consistent. Like, his, his, his ball awareness is just amazing. He knows where to be. He's yeah. had one or two down games probably in the last three months. That's it, max. I don't know what he has to do. Like, he, no one ever speaks about him. But no. Got a couple of other things we want to talk about in this game as well before we keep moving. So the other thing I wanted to raise with you too, so the Nankervis. So Nankervis was off the ground for 17 minutes. Now... So here's the thing. Let's sort of pause for a second and just talk a little bit about Richmond's ruck situation. So it, it is it is an issue. So I think when Nankervis is off and off for lengthy periods, Geelong exploited this too when it was... And not, not that Griggs a bad player, but he's nowhere near as damaging as when Nankervis is on the ground. No, he's back backup back up ruckman. Yeah, he is. And it makes you wonder, should Richmond be going after Lysette rather than, you know, the other players that they're supposedly into, like Lynch. Because, I, I mean, if he... Not to say it's going to happen, but if Nankervis was to do an injury, it it, it really throws their finals chances. And ev- almost every other piece is in place. It does make you think, well... So 17 minutes is a long time, and I know that part of it was the rotations, but it did look like they were resting him a little bit before finals, and maybe he was a little bit underdone as well. Obviously, there's only four weeks to go. But it is... I don't know. It is... I know we don't really have a solution now, but it is... If there'd been a mid-season trade period, you've got to wonder whether they would have tried to pick someone up.
1: Absolutely. We've already seen, and we'll talk about it, obviously, when we get to it, but the different port... Without Ryder Yeah So once he's out They become Less efficient With the footy Uh, They struggle With the clearances Around the stoppages So I would say That Richmond Would uh, fare similarly Though obviously They bat deeper In different positions So they would still Beat the fast majority Of teams But if they came up Against your West Coast Your GWSs And stuff like that I think they'd be Exposed extremely uh, Without a backup Ruck Or if Nankervis Is not on the ground Yeah
0: So The other thing too so the heap, there's so many subplots. But another thing as well, I mean, you know, accuracy makes such a difference. Like when you're watching a game, when both teams are fairly accurate, it's so much optically, it's so much better. And you know, in terms of rule changes and all this rubbish that's going on, and we will go into that on the Facebook show a little bit because there's been obviously a lot of talk around it. And the AFL had such a bad week last week, but. Why, why are we changing the rules when you get a game like that?
1: Like, that's it. Absolutely. I, if the dirt we teams, say it every week. And it can be a low score. It could be 8 1 to 7 2, and it would still be an enjoyable yeah. game because you're not getting frustrated with no. players missing shots and goals. So, yeah, I totally agree. But uh, going back to what you said right at the start of this, such elite skills from both teams. They yeah. are both elite, hand and
0: foot. It was just obviously. And just taking the game on. Like, that's the thing that the Friday night game missed was, you know, Essen did towards the back end of the game, and certainly the second half but just going I know a lot of this you've got to have the skill to do this and there are players of that absolutely do have it but at these top end sides you know Richmond play for the harder option and, and even if it doesn't pay off all the time most of the time it, it, it does and Collingwood did it as well. So when both teams are doing that, it's it's unbelievable yeah. to watch.
1: And you and you do have to do it, otherwise you're never going to get used to doing it and therefore excelling at it. So yeah, yeah. I, I, and you're starting to see a few teams now just test it little bits here, little bits there. So it would be good to see if more teams, like let's just say six to eight teams, start doing it on a regular basis. Yeah. Maybe that's all that's needed to make this game a spectacle of
0: worth watching again. And then the fourth quarter, I'm sure you noticed the lockdown. So all, all the talk was around around the better offensive style from Richmond in the fourth quarter and obviously a lot faster and you know more clearance and all this different stuff. But the big thing as well for me was the defensive wall that they're so yeah. good at doing. They lock that in and the ball doesn't come out. And yeah. this it, it looks like they've got two or three extra people on the ground the way they play it. So oh, it's, I'm surprised no... I know why they haven't. But it's like the Berlin Wall. Just, nothing gets over. No, not 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 straight away. No. <laughs> Prestia, uh, so Prestia did his ribs, which is something we'll go into on the preview. I mean, yeah, the site. We could keep going through this game for ages. So we'll, we'll very briefly go into it. But obviously, the elephant in the room, the Higgins goal snag. So the snag, so it's becoming, um, you know, the, the talking
1: point, st- and it'll be on every other radio station and podcast
0: for the rest of the year. Yeah. So it's the, the um, this week anyway. Second shoot on the grassy knoll type scenario now. So yeah. So throw or no throw? What, what is your opinion on on this one?
1: I saw it live. It was a goal. I spoke to my brother, who used to be an AFL umpire. Goal. Yeah. AFL came out. Goal. It's a goal because... It's a goal unless we play and watch in slow-mo, which then is a bigger can of worms to...
0: yeah. uh, I mean, so it goes from his hand to his foot. It's effectively, you know, yes, it's unorthodox. Yes, it's strange. Yes, it's something that we you know, haven't really seen before. Yes, it's a fluke situation. The chance of that happening again is so minimal to, for, to mm. land in that position for someone to do that again. We might not see it again for five years, yeah. but it, it, yes, he flicks the bottom <clears throat> section, the pointed tip of the ball before he passes his arm around the post. Which does sort of flick it up a little bit. But then the next contact that the ball has with anything on earth is his foot. So to me, that's a goal. Yeah.
1: And there's lots of bizarre circumstances that haven't happened, that could happen, where the rules, yeah. the way people know it or don't know it, depending on where you're coming from, will make for a contentious issue. Like I won't go into it, but me and my brother had a big discussion about certain scenarios where if it's in In one part of the ground, what happens? Mm. And if it happens in another part of the ground, what happens? And won't bore the listeners with that, but it might be something we bring up in a a post-season when there's no games on. Yeah,
0: I mean, look, the the funny thing about it is that it's... Look, I can see why people have got annoyed about it, but he... (coughs) The the ball... Well, yeah, that's it. But the ball stayed in play. He went out of play, which is fine. The ball stayed in. I mean, the thing that I wrote down, and it's funny, I saw Jimmy Bartell talking about this today as well. The... The first thing that I thought about is... I don't remember the round, and I don't remember the year, but it was a few years ago. Stevie J was still playing for Geelong. It might have been his last year or the year prior to that. He either won goal of the year for this goal... Or he was definitely nominated for it. It was against Essendon. It was late in the game. And I remember he was in a pack. And Essendon had been better for most of the day. Geelong, you know, being very Geelong, were, you know, really pushing forward to try to sneak it at the end. And they nearly They only lost by like two points. Stevie J, about two or three minutes to go, less than that even. Lying down with his head facing the goals and his feet facing the other end. Threw the ball up in the air. So just threw it up in the air Kicked it over his head Sort of like what Parker did earlier in the year With that kind of crazy goal That got nominated for goal of the year as well Flicked it up in the air Kicked it behind him Over Bell Chambers' head Or someone I think it might have been Bell Chambers And then It might have been Ryder back then Who knows And then goal yeah, and so if that's allowed, just because Higgins is standing up, and yes, he ran around the post and it was bonkers, but I mean the ball is still in play. It doesn't go out. He flung it in the air, and so did Higgins.
1: Yeah, and there's heaps so of examples. the difference? And there's heaps of examples of that throughout the years, yeah. where anyone on the it's a player lying on the ground on their back and going to kick it, they can't actually drop it onto their foot. It's literally, or they'd have to throw it down to their foot. Yeah. so regardless it'd be a th- technically a throw but in the rules of the game as they said it wasn't a throw because he had it on one hand yes he was sort of falling at the same time to get around the post Yeah. so it looks anyway I yeah. I don't think it's a throw I don't think it's no. a throw I, I, I find he it funny he throws it onto his boot boots. yeah if anything he throws it onto his boot which you're allowed to do which you're allowed to do <laughs>
0: so as an example if you're lining up for goal there is nothing in the rules that stop you from throwing the ball like a kid so like my nephew he's like what is he three, three Yeah. so he he, because he, he, you know, just trying to teach him how to, 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 you know, do a drop punt. But he kind of thinks of it as like a throw. So he, well, he kind of lifts it in the air, which makes sense because in his mind he's thinking, well, I've got to give myself enough time to kick it, which you know makes sense from a movement perspective. But that's a legal kick. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. Like mm-hmm. if if, jo- if Josh Kennedy does that next week, if he throws it up in the air and like um, let's say twenty centimeters, fifteen centimeters up in the air, and then kicks it as it falls down. There is nothing wrong with that. No, and so. Some... There's nothing in the rules that says that the drop, wherever your ball drop is, has to go out of your hands and then straight down. There's nothing, nothing. that says you can't throw it up in the air. I mean, I, I, not that I'm aware of. If you know of anything, let me know. But I haven't seen a successful point but around it not being a goal.
1: But they're back into, going back like 40, 50 years, a lot of older generation on the run especially, yeah. that's how they used to exactly, kick it. They yeah. would have both this, hands on the yeah. side and, and then they'd sort of pop it up and run. Because and, they thought they'd, they'd get uh, more elevation and further distance with it. So, yeah, I think it's a... I personally think... Thought it was an, a non-topic. No,
0: well, no, it's I interesting mean,
1: to talk about briefly, but
0: not for ten years, which no, this would Yeah, yeah,
1: I think had the game been closer, yeah, but it wasn't the wasn't what changed the game. No, I think we've talked about what changed the game. Well. Collingwood yeah. ran out of steam and injuries took their toll, and Richmond. Well, uh, it would have been twenty, what, yeah. twenty instead of twenty-eight points. Exactly, taking goal. And like Richmond you want, are but... just elite at pushing through all four quarters, and no team so far has been able to match. They them need for the, a while. You need yeah. all your pieces, absolutely. And Richmond have been
0: lucky to have all of them. So yeah. we'll we'll look at a couple of stats, but look, yeah, really, really good game. The next two games we'll have to do a little bit shorter because we went deeper into that one, but there were so many subplots to talk about. So contested possessions, 154 to 163, so Pies actually won that. Uncontested, uh, 226 to 239, so Pies, you know, won that indicator as well. Marks inside 50, 14 to 11, so, you you know, Richmond giving themselves just that little bit more of a chance. Tackles inside 50, now that's another thing, too, we could obviously keep going with this game, but... Pies lifted their tackles in the third quarter, and and look at the results. So they they just respond to instructions so well, because I'm sure that was mentioned after the second quarter into the third. Yeah, absolutely. Tackles inside 50 as well. You know, really solid. So inside 50s, 47 to uh, yeah, 47 to 57. Richmond ahead. So yeah, look, just a little bit more options, even though they were slightly less accurate. Doesn't matter. They get more more chances. So amazing game, and yeah, fascinating and. Gee, it's a shame that Collingwood didn't have a few more pieces on the field because that would have been you know, yeah, absolutely. really interesting. Yeah, so, We'll keep moving. We, we would have
1: had to have done a whole separate podcast for the game. but We easily could it have. We could have, gone yeah. It was such longer. a good game. This is the type of game we've been waiting for for a long time of the season. I think now. listeners
0: will understand. I mean, the next three games. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely not no. having a,
1: a go, but no, no, uh, no, no, yeah. I would have loved to have been able to talk. Heavily heavily about both sides In a positive light um, As opposed to Noting that Again it's got injuries On
0: Collingwood That have Let them down Not not their ability To be Saying that they went With Richmond for three quarters That's (coughs) pretty positive Yeah We'll keep moving though So next one Into Geelong And the Lions So 120 to 78 Geelong by 42 points Hawkins another seven goals So 18-12 11-12 So Big story this game. We won't go too deep into this one. Obviously, Lions well out of the finals. And we've been consistent on this when there's games where there's a, a team that's won relatively comprehensively against a, another team that's way out of the finals race. Don't really cover it too much. No. Especially either. back into the season now. We covered Brisbane for weeks and weeks. So, 42 points. Geelong, yeah, look, at home, obviously, they're going to do quite well. Lions, uh, they ran with them for a good half, so... The uh, score is actually even at quarter time, 2-4 to 2-4, half time 7-6 5-7. And then three-quarter time, Geelong started to pull away. 11-11 to 7-9. So again, that accuracy slightly hurting Geelong, which has been an issue through bits and pieces of the year. 18-12
1: to 11-12. Hogan's yeah. so, really took he's the team difference. apart Yeah. in the second
0: half. He just went,
1: all right, time to switch on the afterburners. And yeah. and off he went and kicked the s 7-1 again. So he's really threatening uh, to be the the key for continued success down Geelong this year. As well as having continuity in that list, mind you, they do look like they're going to be without Stewart for the rest of the season now, which is a bit of a blow considering the the run they've got home. But look, everything else is is sort of starting to gel nicely down at the Cattery, and they're starting to put massive scores on the board.
0: Yeah, Ablett as I mean, look, you know, again, as we highlighted, he's not the issue. So thirty eight disposals, five tackles. So his tackle numbers have gone up over the last few weeks, which is great to see. Eight marks as well. Like he was fantastic throughout the day and obviously Hawkins seven one. Yeah. So if he's, he's the issue, is the issue in a positive light. Is yeah. the reason why they're starting to really
1: start push was the finals once again?
0: That's it. So Hawkins only five goals off the Coleman, which is pretty wild, given how far behind he was. Fourteen goals in two weeks is eighties uh, football style. Eighties so football style, exactly pretty good. Right. So, and um, really, the only bad news for Geelong out of the day was pretty party time through bits of it. They even though they weren't ahead through the first half, through bit, most of it. Well, I mean, they, they were sort of in control. You never really felt like. Brisbane were gonna be able to run the entire no. game out. It never it never quite felt like it. They never quite had the structure. And the defence you know, even though they were trying McStay and Gardner and these sort of guys for Brisbane, they they just never had the the ability to to hold it, you know, all day. Like it, it's you know, when you it felt like somebody was going to get a decent haul, whether it was... I mean, Hawkins was late early, so you did think, hang on, maybe he's going to get off the chain again. Mm. But if it wasn't him, then it would be a big spread. Or Menzel so, or someone. Yeah. Exactly right. And you can tell it's a
1: marathon AFL season, especially when you got a team like the Lions very youthful yeah. they are gonna it's inevitable that the young teams are gonna start to peter off especially against teams that are about to long way to travel for, yeah, yeah long way to travel that type of stuff but I mean they they try I mean Rainer had another good game Cluggie's yeah. still um, is building Beams, um, was, Beams really good. was really good it's Yeah, which is expected yeah. their
0: senior players to be quite good McStay's been consistent now that's the thing that second tier is, is getting better exactly right so but well, yeah, we won't probably go into this one too much. There's not a hell of a lot to to talk about. I mean, a couple of issues. So Geelong lost um, Stewart, which doesn't help. The ankle looked really bad, so it looked like it was going to be a really massive uh, problem. He's been fantastic all year. We've lauded Stewart. I think I picked him as the heat check a couple of times. Yeah. So he's been really good. Uh, good news is that it's nowhere near as bad as uh, originally thought. So even crazily enough, it looks like he might even be a chance for, for this week, which is wild. So I, I don't know. That was reported from um, a couple of people with some merit early on. Okay. So, who knows? That might not be the case. Yeah, because the report I heard on the way here tonight right. was, Season gone Season gone? Yeah, Season gone? yeah.
1: Home and away At least okay. Yeah so Be interesting to see Because we'll get clarity Probably tomorrow Wednesday from the club okay. How serious it is Yeah well So
0: we're recording this As we always do With the review yeah. Monday
1: night So we won't speculate On that no, so we'll talk too about much No not too much Hopefully not But obviously It weighs a lot on Getting Harry Tyler back now.
0: Well, yeah, it's not, not ideal, is it? At least they've got
1: Henderson in Henderson's there. back yeah. now, yeah, which is good.
0: So, look, yeah, look, even, even game from Geelong, I mean, tactically, probably not too much because they weren't, you know, that challenged throughout the game... You know, not, not really too much we can can talk about. I mean, Buse had a pretty poor game. He might be back out again. Blixars did his piece. You know, they'll keep Narkel in, He'll build confidence. You know, Kelly, two points. Probably, you know, could have got a couple of goals out of it. They, they weren't impossible shots. And Selwood, you know, he's always, you know, there and about. So, Hodge, you know, didn't have his best game. But, you know, he's not going to be amazing every week, as you can expect at his age. And um, yeah, look, big, big. As we keep saying, you know, clearly they're the best, worst team going around Brisbane, and Geelong, it, they're still in the mix. They're still hanging around. They're sitting, you know, just into the eight at eighth position, and they're hanging around. They're, they're
1: hanging around, they're, and they're doing what teams like they, they, yeah. as in their position, as far as they have probably haven't been playing the best football that they're capable of no. week in week out. But they've got a decent run home now. Cut three more games or two more games. At I think the Cattery, the Cattery, yeah, yeah. So you and I think it's against. The Suns And got some St Kilda They've got some garbage Yeah ads. there's like yeah. Two games you get Almost penciled Straight away yeah. So there's the two wins That they need to uh, Play finals You would think And they'll have A good crack at it Once they're there They usually do uh, yeah. Rise when it comes To finals time So And Brisbane is still Yeah they're developing And they'll learn a lot From this game
0: I could see them winning another game between now and the end of the year. I can see them just surprising somebody, but yep. yeah, that, I think that'll probably be the max for me. The healthy thing with Geelong too, so they're sitting at one hundred and twenty percent, so much higher than the teams below them. So with that big loss, you know, in in you know context of the whole season, Sydney obviously falling so far. They're sitting below Geelong now, which is wild. They're, they've actually only got one hundred and nine percent, whereas Geelong uh, they're both on even points, forty-four, so eight to nine. Geelong eight and Sydney nine, but one hundred and nine Sydney to one. Geelong, So they're way ahead in percentage. And the next after that is Hawthorne at 7th with 122. So that's the thing. Geelong, percentage-wise, are hanging around, around which yeah. is exactly yeah. what you need at this point. Yeah, they it's they not have an Essendon situation where it's like, wow, they're way out in terms of percentage. Even if they do pull off, you know, miracle win after miracle win after miracle win, sort of like Sydney were last year, it's like, well, It's yeah, yeah, all they well can't, and good. Yeah, but... Essendon can't win by a goal
1: or two. They're going to win by three or four right. every week now. That's
0: why, in, in some respects, that Sydney game might be another kind of... You you know, haunting situation yeah, because they, you know, had a lot they could have kicked. But we'll, we'll keep moving. Scene. But yeah, big um, big effort from from Geelong because, you know, you have to win these games. And, you know, you see time and time again quality sides when they get to the back end of the year just drop a game. And yeah. it, it's great to see that, you know, they just didn't let that happen and, and just, you know, put the foot down. And they probably could have won by a bit more. But yeah, look interesting game but yeah probably not a heap to, to talk about at this stage of the season for both those sides
1: no I wouldn't think so I no. think that's enough
0: I'd, I'd rather spend some more time on a couple,
1: couple of other games, games yeah. yeah absolutely and we've
0: gone into these two teams a fair bit so we'll keep moving to the next one which again the next probably two are a bit quieter in terms of us covering them but we will go into them all as always so Giants over the Saints 86 to 61 up at Spotless Stadium. So Giants in the end by only 25 points. And interesting game. I mean the Saints again accuracy, it just absolutely burns, burns them. them. And it's the most it, it is you hear it all the time, the most underrated stat. So it is look, the most important one. Like, it's the most important stat. So Giants, it, it, this is the probably the the perfect example for this. So Giants kicked 13-8 and Saints kicked 838 so it, that it, it is literally the the stat the stat so like anyway but again the same issues poor offense structures slow entries, but even when they They got it done, you know, Gresham can play, that's another thing I wanted to talk about as well. But I tell you what, like it, it just it murders you. It absolutely murders you. And then the, the, the yips they it's a, it's a thing. It's absolutely a thing mentally. It gets into the whole team and it, it hurts the whole team and, and your whole team just completely falls away.
1: And this is the one so. team that St Kilda for some unknown reason it's matches isn't up it? against. Yeah. For the last couple of years, and they were right in it, except for that key point yeah. of not being able to kick it through those really big sticks with a big <laughs> gap between them. Yeah, and it's not get paid I a lot of money to kick between those things. It's a nice so, ground. This, this nice ground, too. yeah, it was it sounded like the conditions in oh, Sydney okay. were pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So the, there's um, no, yeah, no real reason. It's not like what Port and the doggies had to face uh, down no. at, down at Ballarat and oh. and often what and you the see Tassie team, game as well, yeah. game and what. Often you see in Canberra, so there's no excuse except for that inability, which we've seen Mental. from St Kilda basically all year, yeah. not being able to
0: kick. Convert, goals. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing, it's it's, it's the most harmful thing um, going around down in St Kilda. So you look at Himmelberg, four straight. Like, I we've spoken a bit about Himmelberg at JWS, and
1: but he's not a household name,
0: no. What, what you and I really rate him, and yeah, you know, absolutely. If, you, if you follow footy really heavily, I I love Himmelberg, I think he's a great player. And they, I want to talk a lot about GWS's depth out of this game because it looks like they've absolutely got more depth than we thought. But, you know, Lonnie, 2-4. Membry, 2-3. Gresham, 2-flat. But there's there's a heap of them that just, you know, Akers, point. Billings, point. Carlisle, point. Marshall, point. Savage, point. Like, it just keeps going. There's At, just so yeah. many. add up, and you have Please.
1: have one or two of them be goals earlier in the game. Switches the whole the thing. The whole thing gets switched over, and then obviously, mentally, GWS start thinking about, oh, hang on, it's the Saints. Are they going to draw with us or topple us yeah. again? So you just never know. And then you got to put yourself in those positions. And we talked about how you can do it with Melbourne, and obviously that game's coming up and it almost happened again. So, yeah, yeah it, it was a bit disappointing and, I, yeah, I'd be pulling my hair out if I was a St. Kilda supporter, so knowing that this is a, another game that they could have won and just couldn't. Just couldn't get it done.
0: So irritating, yeah. So, I mean, look, obviously, that that's the real takeaway. I mean, I, I look, the only other main thing I took away out of St. Kilda's perspective is that Gresham is great. I mean, he, he yeah. looks like... He, he's absolutely... He's a joke. Like, he, um, there's always the talk... Jake Gresham, so 25 disposal, 76% efficiency. He was really solid all day, and oh, he's my head headshot for the round. I, I really like him, and he's such a young player. Like, you know, he's only, what has he played 58 games, 20 years old. I mean, he, he looks great. So, the, yeah, the big thing for me is, you know, there's always this talk with St Kilda is who's their A grader, and maybe he is going to be in another 50-odd games, because that, that's nothing. You know, you, you look at him, he's got years and years in front of him, so... But we're going to the Giants. That's really the main takeaway. Obviously, St. Kilda are way, way, way out of this season, and there's you know they're, they're not going to be too competitive from here. I can see them maybe sneaking another one, but probably not. Let's get into the Giants, though. So Giants, the big thing for me, I, I thought takeaway out of this game. You know, when you come up against a really low side, you know, back end of the year, you are going to think, oh, you know, do we have to do this? Like, yeah, know, exactly. Another, right. another scenario. Well, I know they probably think, specifically with St Kilda, they've had some, you know, as you pointed out, some encounters with them. The draw earlier in the year, they beat them last year. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit odd, but. Look, when it comes to the Giants, they not only that grit has gotten better, as we pointed out last week, but the other thing I noticed out of this game was just their communication. Their communication on the ground is so much better, and it's not just sure like blowing up at people. It's a lot of a lot of their, but, but that was well half the time. That was the main communication you saw out on the field was someone going psycho another place, and it was like, mate, they're little kids. Like it's going to take time. Like yeah. you can't blast them, but it, it, the you know that's just going to make it worse, but. The, the, I thought the communication in general was really good. So there was a couple of mismatches here and there, and they were really quickly to fix it. So they're, they're just, they're, they've matured. They look so much better than, than they did four or five weeks ago. Yeah. They look, I mean, obviously, they've, they've just dominated really over the last and, month and a half, two months. And how,
1: how good are those co captains of Ward yeah. and Davis? They have just How good Davis be at Adelaide? Unbelievable. Another one. Yeah. Ward at. Uh, Dogs. dogs, yeah. Yeah, they'd love, love them both. But yeah, just they're, they're they're matured. I mean, they've both been quite mature and, and great leaders since we yeah. were given those responsibilities. But to see them now as seniors and, and, and really lead from the front, obviously they've got a good supporting cast in Cali, coniglio and the like. But I think it's superb to see young, young men be co-captains
0: and, and deliver on their promise of leading a, a very juvenile team. You look at, like, you know, Langdon and Taranto. Like, that. Taranto is someone that's really improved as well. Kennedy, Holland, yeah, we last... Haynes, Man Haynes. Like, they've got quality everywhere. Well, you and I, obviously, we weren't
1: doing the podcast last year. We thought Taranto might have not, yeah. not had a future there because he just couldn't play. We couldn't get a game, cause half the game. The time as So, well. yeah. That's because they now... had Devin Smith and all these other oh, guys. Sorry, but, yeah, I know. But the
0: great thing now is you're seeing this other tier, and we were questioning that tier, which is fair enough. We haven't seen it. How do you, how do you know? but they've come out and been fantastic. So that that second tier at GWS looks looks really excellent. But um yeah, look big big props to Himmelberg, and even though Jettibus look a little bit slow and a bit lethargic at times, you know, I wrote down Jettibus a little slow butt against that opposition. And that's the thing you've got to keep in mind. When you, Yes, it's only a 25-point win, but when you come up against a team that's been a busted ass pretty much the whole year. Absolutely, and they would have been looking ahead
1: to the yeah. next four weeks. There's only get over, there's over, there's get a month the four to come, points, yeah. that's it. Get the four points, yeah. get it without any niggles, injuries things like that and uh, and then the battle real battle for them happens now they've got some massive games in the lead up to well, September
0: you know if the Giants this is the irony like the Giants had that ridiculous draw against St Kilda if they would won that they'd be sitting on 48 points and they'd only be a couple of they'd still be in 5th but they'd be a couple of percent down behind Port so yeah. it puts them way into the mix they could be top 3 with slightly better percentage because Collingwood are only 118 mm. and they're all on 48 Port, Collingwood and GWS had they won that draw so it's yeah look they're very much in the mix GWS they could be you know well and truly entrenched into the top 4 had that not happened so but it is crazy Crazy. You and I had a conversation before we started around Cameron, and I mean, it is fascinating that you know Danaher injured at Essendon, they get better. Gresham, uh, Gresham, uh, Cameron, Cameron out of GWS. Better. better. It's a fascinating scenario. In it's for it forced both teams really to play the Collingwood Richmond type of football. And look what happens. And it does make you think. I mean, if they've got you know Cameron to come in as well, and then they've got Patton obviously out too. Do they need Patton? Do they trade for a backup rock to assist? lob or do they Some get another key, defender or all, all key small forwards two, exactly, yeah, exactly small yeah. yeah another couple of crummets like I, it's a fascinating scenario and everyone is trying to work out what is modern football because no one really knows yet and it's fascinating to see what people are playing with and what pieces they're working with because it's there's been a few teams that against adversity and, and having a bunch of injuries have completely figured it out. You've got teams like Adelaide that occasionally figured it out but absolutely didn't overall in season yeah. 2018 get it right. No. But then you look at the Giants and maybe Essendon if they can make finals and I tell you what, that they both look like they've they figured it out on the run and a couple of injuries forced them to restructure and that's the thing, when you get a couple of these players back in and whether they need them all is a question but now, if with Cameron, they've got plan not just A and B, they've got C and D, and D now. And yeah. That's the thing. That's the scary part about That's it. That's what's bonkers about this team is that they've actually got two to three, four more plans and when it gets late, if they're playing in a prelim against Richmond again, as an example, they become so much more dangerous because they're mature and they're experienced in playing in different styles. Yeah, exactly right. And that is, it's, it's imperative. That's one of the things that's concerning about Richmond is they haven't had that many injuries, so they haven't really been forced to play many backup scenarios. They've really played the same game plan vast majority of the year. They do mix things up very, very well and their variety is what absolutely gets them to the top of the tree but yeah it's it's a fascinating scenario in that they've got so many players out gws and all these people were were saying giant season over when cameron got injured and you and i were like well i don't know because i I want to it depends on so many factors it depends on how this coaching group coaches like how well can they restructure these pieces yeah and they did very very well about as well as they could have they only lost one game which was to the west coast And it was only
1: just... And they they were up, too. They shouldn't have lost it. Yeah, we both, I think, for a memory, once Cameron got the the massive seven weeks and went to penitentiary, Mm. uh, it was more about... How quickly can they get
0: Did it get 7 weeks Or was it 6 Whatever 6 it was. or 7 well, too many Yeah <laughs> Too many got any, but yeah. It was more about well,
1: Could they get the, Those injured players On yeah, the park yeah. As quick as possible In particular Toby Green Greenback's been massive Massive yeah. And he doesn't have Massive stats He just brings Better structure To, yeah. to that team um, Some vulnerability To back lines Because he's so creative Obviously he did Lids his back uh, And just Free Cali obviously Was probably the biggest one Coming yeah. back in And that frees up All those other other players that had to like Lockie Whitfield had to play a sort of in and under midfielder that's not his natural game he's too small of a frame and now he's allowed to be let loose out on the wing and you can see how classy he is and pace yeah it just opens their team up a lot more so it'll be interesting to see when Cameron comes back how they structure but as you said I agree now they've got
0: Gives and them multiple, multiple game plans, plans yeah. Because different teams, you have to play different plans. So it is, it is interesting. The other thing too is giants. Both their real workhorses in Coniglio and Ward, are, in terms of the center, are just blaring it. Yeah, they absolutely. both look so good. I mean, Kelly does so, so much quality in and out. But having him on the, on the out is is excellent. And it's what's crazy is you know they got Scully to come back as well. So wow, yeah, wow. So. We'll keep moving, uh, but yeah, good game, Giants. You know, to get through it, great because it's it's sort of been a bit of their bogey team as you as you describe. So just mm. to get through that is good. So next up at Metricon, the Canton Blues don't say this very often beat the Gold Coast Suns forty four seventy nine. The Canton by thirty five points. Where we? What well, happened here? What happened here?
1: Well, <laughs> Crips continued is, to is do outrageous. what? Arguably the best player in the competition. Yeah, Arguably if Certainly he was, young player yeah. yeah if he was In a team that was Even contesting If he was at North Melbourne Or Hawthorne
0: he'd have Or the Adelaide wrapped up.
1: He'd have the Brownlow Entirely wrapped up And, and probably Have a, a Brownlow record 40, the end 42 of points yeah. or something he, He's fantastic Obviously got a great uh, Supporting cast um, Obviously the Curnow brothers Continued their Their form Murphy had a good game But uh, Dow Had a really good game good's Dow Yeah Wearing had a coast good game Coast to coast
0: Dow that's good. is Harry. Was
1: good. Yeah, Harry they're, they're just good. Like it showed you where all this young potential can go yeah. if they continue to develop from this point on. They can't just then go back to their old footy next week and get no. pummeled by eighty <laughs> points because that's no point. Well, look at the Suns; so they get up one week with a miraculous win and then come back crashing a home. Like this doesn't want a home game, as you pointed out.
0: Yeah. So we were speaking about this before we started recording, and I mentioned to you that, and this is why. Yeah, it's unbelievable but I know a lot of the season the Suns didn't play at Metricon because of the Commonwealth Games but the Suns have not so far this year won a game at Metricon still bonkers that is is absolute bonkers it's ludicrous yeah anyway, so anyway that, that they look. a big part of it was they were horrific. So that they, they were undisciplined with May and all the crap yeah. that went on with he and the Kernos both of them. Yeah. And it was it was yeah very they,
1: poor. was it, this was a really poor game though. They had another issue a bit like St Kilda's as well if yeah. I think. They kicked what five goals 14 or something ridiculous like that. They
0: should have yeah. yeah. So in the end Gold Coast 5 14 12 7 was the final score. So, they, so when you kick such a disgusting scoreline like you're that you're not going to win games No, so really, really poor from the coast to back up after because they would have had a few locals turn up thinking oh well they had a win last week against Sydney maybe we're up and about and, and then they would have got really drunk and gone oh, let's go and watch the footy let's get the hell out of here because this is terrible so yeah. yeah look swallow head knock as well not ideal yeah look I think the, the other thing I thought about after the game and maybe we needed to factor this in but I mean look we, we ended up tipping the coast because I mean who, well you tipped a draw but I mean what do you do but the other thing I thought about subsequently was that how many Carlton players are playing for their career? Heaps. Quite a few. And that does make you think think towards the back end of the year, they're threatened. It's probably only six players on that.
1: List currently that are good to go next year. And that's because they got contracts, yeah, and, or they know that they're playing good footy because they're playing regular senior footy. Mm. But after that, they could all just be like, hmm. So yeah, but I oh, look, it's it wasn't a good spectacle. it was a terrible game. You yeah. wouldn't take an international guest to to this game. They'd just be Matt like, Damon, yeah, Matt Damon. So, but, but he but he's seen that many Suns games. He expects nothing more. or nothing He's seen so many bad movies that he's been <laughs> in too. So I guess what's the what's it? But I mean, so. yeah, just. Disposal efficiencies for both teams was below seventy percent. One was at sixty six, the other was fifty eight. Fifty eight is terrible. Yeah, that's horrible. That just shows you where both these teams are at. And it was it was just the the worst the, the worst of the worst from the Suns. I don't think no. you could say that they've played a worse game all year considering their opponent.
0: Murphy as well was quite good. Yeah, 30, was good. Thirty six disposals, one goal, four tackles. Like yeah, he he was solid. So Simpson always is really good. Um, yeah, look, we'll keep moving because obviously two teams that are... Compl- mean nothing. Mean, yeah. I mean, they're basically playing... You know. I mean, Gold Coast have got... I don't think... You'd think probably Carlton won't win a game from here, which means they've still tied up that number one pick regardless. Regardless, so yeah. So it's not going to turn the other way. So No,
1: definitely not. And I think after playing that type of footy they don't deserve to get a priority pick I think they've got enough in the bank at the moment as far as players that can play footy but they should
0: just yeah, be able to go in their merry well, way their fake the whole, that whole thing was embarrassing that whole fake out was like well we don't want one when it was obvious that you did want one so yeah. maybe don't say anything that would have been the easiest, the easiest way to, thing do it, but to do it but yeah. we'll keep moving because we've got a few games to get through still so yeah look Not much to say on that game. Good on Catton, but oh my Catton, you know, they're Yeah. We keep moving, so Adelaide Oval, Adelaide 77, great game in the end. Uh, 77 to 90 Ds, so Ds won by 13 points at Adelaide Oval. Wow, did this look shaky at the back end? You did think, I wrote down another choke, question mark, it's not going to happen again, surely. So that missed kick from Lynch at the last minute, and then Eddie Betts scrapes the inside of the post, and... Jeez, that that if they if those those two had happened, they were both right in front of goal. If that had happened, they would have been three points down yeah. at, with about a minute Moves and a half up. to go, and then who, and who knows. knows? From that moment, the the demons would have been sinking heavily. Back in the yeah, last that week. that that
1: final centre bounce with a minute. I probably probably would have been about thirty or forty seconds to go. I think it was Eddie, two points. It would have been. Yeah, if Eddie had to keep that goal. And um, preceding goals had to gone through. Yeah, wow, we it was, and it was up and down most of the game. Like no. In part of the third quarter, you thought Melbourne had the ascendancy, but because of what happened against the Cats, you're like, no, they don't. Mm. So and and then it started very quickly in the fourth quarter. You're like, oh geez, well, uh, are they going to do it again? And well,
0: choke. Melbourne were just so slow to get off the mark, and so many skill errors in the first half as well. So Adelaide yeah. led the first quarter. 4-4 to 3-1, they led the, led the second half no. as well, 6-8 to 5-7, and uh, it, so much it was due to skill it's just really simple stuff across the board, even, you know, your Olivers and some of these guys that are, you know, amazing players, but yeah, look, I mean, Melbourne were much better in the second half, they came out and they, you know, they really played much better football, only the one goal in the, th- the fourth, which doesn't help. But, you know, 12, 11 to 7, 10 in the third, and then 10, 17 to 13, 12 in the fourth. Yeah. But, wow, did, did, it get, did it get shaky? Very
1: interesting. I mean, obviously, on one side of the coin, the, the Ds are going to go, Yep, yeah, cool. We, our, our mental scars, if they were there, and they admit to them, are probably gone now. They know that they can hold on in really tight conditions yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, Clayton Oliver just going. He's keeps a joke. Going. From strength to strength, it's ridiculous that he's only played like fifty odd games, fifty three or whatever it is. Well, statistically, looks... his fifty uh, is right up there. Absolutely, a joke. Uh, old, so old mate, right. old mate, Lewis had a had a pretty good game for his
0: three hundred. Yeah, his goals were. At... Good times, small well. like that yeah. was the when they really needed him.
1: I think Hogan's struggling still with fitness, and that could be a concern. Although Tom he McDonald, was really down most of the game. Although Tom McDonald, do they just expose him and keep him free up the up the forward line and, and allow your Jeffrey Garlets and, and these little runners to come past even up a Tracker. Has pretty good goal sense to to play that more modern sort of setup. Who knows? But I, I think the Ds are in a pretty good position now. That if Hogan is carrying just a little niggle, I, I'd be putting him on till September comes around.
0: Well, especially given the way he played. I mean, so from the very start. So we'll start with the Crows and then kind of go from there. But I mean, so early on, I know we normally talk about the the um, winner, first, but, but, but it's yeah. it's given how it was a half and half sort of game. So it started off. I mean, Spargo was really good early. Sloan was really strong. Their pressure was really good. Their ball movement was impressive. They were switching well. They mopped it up well as well. They, they were positioning themselves quite well. Like, that's the thing. They were getting smashed in contested early, Melbourne. Malira was off half back. Jeez, was, he was. That was. I mean, again, he's
1: building and building, but and that has. That was his best he was game my all year. Last week. Yeah, he, yeah, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Yep.
0: Greenwood as well was fantastic early. He just build and builds, and then you know Gibbs just adds so much polish. He really is the cream that they were hoping for this um this cake that didn't sort of work out this year. But I think it doesn't. He's not. You know, not like he's forty years old. He'll he'll be pretty good for them next year as well. But the, the D's, you know, that they they were able to slow the game down. So that's the thing. Early on it was just bang, 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 Adelaide were, you know, just smashing it. And then the D's slowed it down. They just couldn't get the breakaway. And, and then no. so much of the game was just being played in the middle part of the ground. For ages. It was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It wasn't the prettiest section of the game, especially the second quarter. But then, yeah, I mean Adelaide stayed in it because they were they were getting goals purely from from stoppages. So Forward 50 stoppage goals. Three, Crow's got three in the midsection of the game. So that's the thing. There, there was just Melbourne fumbling and just just... Slightly poor structures at stoppage, especially. Even though Gorn would you know hit it straight down their throat, they they would just pour uh, either from foot or by hand, and yeah, it just sort of it kept it way closer than it needed to be. Because even though Adelaide were ahead, it did feel like Melbourne were the better side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a funny note. No, we all talk about how good Gorn is. He was up against a very good ruckman in Source Jacobs, yeah. and dominated him. And I don't mean just a little bit. It was thirty eight yeah. to sixty six hit outs. <laughs> And I would say almost fifty percent of them, or a large percentage of those, would have been to advantage with going. That is how much of a dominating ruckman he is at the moment, and at the uh, top of oh, the peak of his powers. And he's going to be the key difference about where Melbourne finish, and then how deep Melbourne go into the finals if they make it.
0: I think if a ruck is ever going to win the brown line, yeah, correct? It, it, this is about the only time it's going to happen. I mean, I know obviously Oliver and you know Viney when he's been in a few. It, they're going to take votes off him. Here and there, but gone still. He's got to be a chance. Like, I know Tom Mitchell, as we flagged at the start of the year, was a big chance. I get it, but surely he's got to be a chance. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of stick with Melbourne a bit. So, Melksham was that's the thing as it sort of went over the half time bracket, Melbourne started to build, and Melksham's just so good. Like, he's I think he, he actually has what I think Essen and you know it's funny like he would just add even more cream to that side if he was still there. But he's he's pinpoint kicking. He's he's become just so so good at hitting people. At just he's so fast. Like he's just so accurate. Like you know his field kicking is just. It's not just his kicks for goal. His field kicking is becoming elite. Yeah, what they gave away with Watts,
1: he's more than filled that void coming into the forward fifty. He is elite. He and I think you and I touched on you know, a number of weeks ago. not I'm saying it, but it's when, true. Yeah. When he, especially when he's got his back to the goal and can turn around on his right and run, he is lethal. I haven't seen that type of kicking. I mean, I have, but I'm just going to say he's as good as what Buckley used to be like going into that forward 50. Because we
0: always rated him as a player, but he, we always thought, yeah, quality B, B, great player. But he's now like you've got to put him B plus towards an A. Like he had, he is yeah, so good.
1: Absolutely, and he's. Um, Um, He settled his temperament. He doesn't lose... It on the ground anymore. He did at uh, Essendon. He was a bit fiery, and obviously the first year and a bit at Melbourne, he was a bit fiery too. But now it does. He just doesn't allow it to get to him. He just uh, gets on with it, and yeah, he he's brilliant, especially by foot. He's pretty good by hands as well, and he's fast and makes good decisions. But he's yeah, he's he's kicking around the ground. He's oh yeah, it's, it's so right. Up, it is right up there. Absolutely. It is. It's
0: absolutely like it's something that you know. I think because he always had this bit of a stigma on him because he was you know very a bit in and out. Of, he couldn't get a game. A, the a, of like a boxer Essendon. that play football rather than a football. Than a football that knows that how to could box. box yeah. yeah, but that's a good um, way to summarise it. Brayshaw was was quality as well. I like Frisch as well. He's he's a quality player. And yeah, look that they, they they did enough. They held in. I mean, not ideal only getting the one goal in the last quarter, but yeah. I mean, I think the the thing that sort of helped Melbourne too, and and didn't help the Crows was that it started to rain. To rain so yeah. the, I, when it rained, I was like, yeah, this is the roof at Wimbledon for Federer type stuff. Because as soon as it started to rain, I was like, yeah, there's only probably four or five more goals in this game. And it was amazing the Crows kept getting opportunities. They, you know, I don't think it was necessarily the rain, it was just pressure, why um, that, you know, Lynch, and then also Betts missed those two late goals. But Melbourne did absolutely stop dead again, so it's not, it's not ideal. They all did the song together in the end, so hopefully that has some sort of momentum for hopefully. them. But yeah, they they hung on and they got it done, and a massive credit to Oliver because he is an unbelievable player. Yeah, he he had the ball on a string in that second half. He, Literally,
1: yeah. if he was near it, he had it on a string, and he did whatever he wanted. Got all his team around him, in and involved, and he was a big difference, especially in that third quarter. He was absolutely on a on a different level to most of the other guys on the
0: park. Yeah. Petrarca was a bit down as well You know, he had that shoulder thing Whatever's going on with him, you know, we're not really sure It didn't really help Crows as well That Seedsman was off the ground So he's done his hamstrings Hamstring. Another, like, what is this, 14 hamstrings they've had Gallucci, I like his game For Crows as well He's really building, I thought he was really impressive Neil Bullen as well for the day oh, yeah. looked, looked quite good too And he's only a first year, but obviously Do they?
1: today yeah, was um, he's a critical out for them. He, yeah, he, he didn't. He would have he's structured up absolutely. Yeah, yeah. would have uh, stopped a lot of uh, forays in that third quarter forward from Melbourne. He didn't play, so yeah, uh, but he's likely to return. But we'll talk about that in the preview.
0: The other one was uh, Alex Keith too. So that's the guy that went number one in the cricket, but uh, ended up choosing the footy. So yeah, he was he was quite good. Obviously, he had that leg injury, so he's come back and he looks pretty fantastic. They've got look, they've got polish. I mean, that's the thing. The Crows, obviously, so many injuries and, yeah, look, they'll, they'll, they'll build and I thought, you know, three sections of the game Adelaide were blocking really well. Like, they, they had a pretty good game. A lot of ways you can mount an argument they should have won. They were just a little bit cute at times. There were just little things that sort of snuck into their game. They've got to, you know, continue to keep taking the game on, have confidence in it. Don't get down when your goal is so behind. Just keep sticking to the plan. And yeah, I think a lot of the time probably would have helped them. But yeah, they're they are definitely that
1: this game and last week they're definitely playing the type of football that I guess better. yeah. We were, a lot of us would have expected to see them throughout the year, had they not had that massive toll of injuries. And they're just going to build. I mean, obviously, technically, they're this very, very slim chance of playing finals, but highly unlikely. But they look to be building for next year now.
0: And, and they're going to be much better for it. Yeah, you'd think so. So we'll keep moving. But yeah, look, I mean, Melbourne, both, both teams, this was a quality game. Melbourne are, are absolutely still in it. We flagged them as winners. We thought that they would... Play for their pride, and that's the thing. They were so poor, you know, in that back end of last week. They did everything, but but you know, close it out, and that's such an important thing in football. So, but they they were able to hold on, and good on them. But I tell you what, bloody hell, it got close. So. <laughs> we'll keep yeah, bloody moving. nervous for a Melbourne supporter. Oh, I don't back for Melbourne, <laughs> but it was uh, unbelievable to watch as a as a neutral supporter. And look, the Crows, yeah, wow. If those, as I said, those two last goals go through, who knows where that game ends up. But we better keep moving. North and the West Coast Eagles into to the Sunday games. Not an amazing game, really, throughout the Sunday. North over the West Coast. This is probably the better game. Bizarre game. So... Very bizarre game. Yeah, so it ended up being, so, 81 to 41 So, bizarre old game. So, 1-4-2, two goals. 5-4 5-1 and then 9-7 to 6-2 and then 12-9 to 6-5. So very bizarre game. What what did you think out of this game? Did it I mean, how do you get read on this game? I mean, North both it was very even at halftime. That's the thing. And then the second half, what happened? I mean, we we, we get a goal from halftime from the West Coast Eagles. What is going on? I mean, this yeah. was just absolutely bizarre. Conditions weren't great wind, rain, so on and so forth. It was relatively even. It was a good game to watch. But North Melbourne were able to deal with it. That's the thing. And it's not like, you know, not a West Coast or a completely just young side that have no idea. They're second on the ladder.
1: Yeah, second on the ladder. They've travelled to Tassie lots of times. They've played, I mean, obviously Launceston and Hobart are a little bit different. But usually the conditions aren't that they different. They were horrendous, no. But they've played a lot of football in Tassie. For... for Interstate teams, especially so they've gone down there, so they would have known what they're up for. They had Kennedy out, mm. but that shouldn't have made a difference. But it's only Kennedy, yeah, like, it's I, only one well, of not only Kennedy, he's a very good, yeah, player, he's a very but, good I mean, player, yeah, very good player, but it shouldn't have meant, I mean, surely one, sure, one goal half. from one of the most powerful uh, forward lines in the comp is... Yeah, just it's bizarre. Well, their
0: switches were too slow throughout the whole day. And they they were really showing up in the second half. I mean, I think that's ultimately where the game was won. And
1: obviously, bullet... uh, Gun to your head. North had more to play for than West Coast in that sense. And that's like
0: and over Sydney. yeah, Yeah,
1: so... And, and due credit uh, to, to North. They, they put their head down and, and grinded out through that third quarter and then obviously were able to push along into the fourth and, and, and have a convincing win, a 40-point win, knowing that percentage is probably going to be the difference between playing finals and not, has really helped them a lot. They obviously got a lot out of some... Uh, lesser known players although after this yeah. round uh, there is going to be one young player at North Melbourne that's going to be on everyone's lips and I'll get talking to about him very soon because he's my heat check is he? yeah so that's um, Mr. his that um, yeah. so, pick yeah. 69 pick 69 nice. so this, this goes back to how much depth GWS really did have because they got him from GWS yeah. with a swap of pick 69 so yeah. he was actually a top 10 draft pick or a first round draft pick in 2008 2015 or 2016, I, so, yeah. I believe, and so he had uh, a, a massive, massive yeah. uh, breakout game. If you haven't listened to any of the the shows, um, I'd be surprised that not a, not one of them would have not talked about. It. He had 37 disposals, 22 were contested. He had one goal assist, six score involvements, three marks, three tackles, 12 clearances, uh, five inside fifties, three rebound fifties. That is crazy. A, a, a rounded game if you don't mind yeah. and he is only like 21 yeah 21
0: a lot of the I mean a lot of the shows don't even so acknowledge yeah. North exists no. so that, so he, that picked, mentioned yeah, so he
1: went pick 7 in the 2014 draft yeah. and that 2014 draft is starting to look like one of the most elite drafts as
0: far as the first round picks go something that's a bit of a concern I mean if we, I know we were sort of procrastinating on how the game was, was won in terms of how did it fall away so much I mean the other key factor as well was West Coast Engine was poor really through bits of the day and they got smashed in contested. So 173 to 147 North ahead. Uncontested 241 to 168. Yeah, wow. Hey. So Tack marks inside 50. Eagles 6 to 13, so tackles inside 50, 10 to 16, so your Yos, your Reddins, a number of these guys just weren't as damaging as they've been through pieces of the season, so there, it was kind of a perfect storm, all all three, uh, even Hearn was, was not on and he's been amazing all year, so there was kind of all three major lines were just sort of falling away a bit, so yeah. It kind of felt like the perfect storm, as I said, we tipped West Coast because we just thought, surely the quality's going to be there at the back end of the year, but... Good on North they just keep winning don't they and they're, they're a quality side with your Cunnington's and goals Cunning- and, and, uh, Cunnington has been Simton unbelievable well Mont- this year DeMont um, Door. obviously doors has been good back and
1: forward now and obviously Z- zeebel has been phenomenal yeah. all year I, think he, I reckon he's only had one two down games for the entire season well Higgins
0: was down in this first half but then he built yeah, yeah
1: he is building and obviously a lot of people have got him up there as a fancy for the Brownlow. it'll be interesting to to look back and see what he was like at the start of the year. I don't remember talking about no. him too much at the start of the year, so that might be the only yeah. reason he's not up there and up and about. Because you need that momentum from start of the year, but yeah. he's playing good footy and he probably couldn't care less about it. Like most of them, he just wants to play finals footy. So
0: that's it. He does his bit and he's doing extremely well. But yeah, the Eagles' switches was just way too slow, and with their engine down and North tackling so much further up and they, the, the reality is they played as we said, the conditions so much better than West Coast and it's not like the conditions were bizarre so I, I don't know the strange situation. I put it but, down to lethargy, the travel, and and we'll just see how Eagles go next. Yeah, time. and and, and, and North, no, Kennedy does hurt. It does, obviously. it does. North
1: have sort of made a little blueprint of how to beat West Coast, though, and that is that tackling on their mid. If you can put a lot of pressure on their midfield and don't allow them to uh, get that spread and space, yeah. I reckon that's a quick, uh, that's a cl- uh, a real good way of at least getting close to beating West Coast. Because if you give them time and run on the outside, they'll tear you apart. They've got too, many, too much pace and too many uh outside runners and obviously that forward line is dynamic yeah but they, if you shut that down then you go a long way to win
0: absolutely win. they out tackled richmond that day so west coast you know that's the thing if they can get their tackles up they're amazing yeah so, yeah we'll probably have to keep moving just because we've got a few more games to get through with that couple of games just so much to talk about but look great game and i i really liked it but you know from a general perspective but I mean geez being a west coast supporter would be annoying because they really would have liked that uh, and to to have carried that and yeah look I think Ahern was definitely the best
1: yeah and I think I, the only good you get out of that being a west coast supporter is that the pies lost as well
0: yeah I mean that's the thing I mean they're, they're kind of like we kind of predicted as well one of the reasons we tipped west coast was that we thought back end of the round with west coast knowing because we predicted that Richmond would beat Collingwood mm. so following that we thought by this point they'd think oh hang on they've won we want to keep in touch with the top it's not always going to play they've got a very good run home now a lot of games at
1: Optus so you'd think they'd still still top four for me and this is just that little blight that they probably would have liked to have avoided this time of year but it doesn't really affect where they probably finish in the end of the game yeah
0: so we'll keep moving into the next game so Western Bulldogs versus Port Adelaide so 34 points wow so Again, West Coast, uh, West Coast Western Bulldogs West to West. These guys just cannot kick a high score to seventy-eight. So poor, really, really solid win, forty-four points in freezing Ballarat.
1: Absolutely. The other thing, West uh, Western oh, West, West too, Coast yeah. again. It's, uh, <laughs> it's catching ridiculous. on, catching on. Um, your doggies don't know how to play the second half of football. No. No, they're pretty good in the first half. They were competitive. So four <laughs> goals straight to four-four. Port up by four points. Yeah. Then they kicked one goal, four in the third quarter. And that was it for the rest of the game. Yeah. And Port Adelaide went
0: on and kicked another seven goals, six. I saw a Dogs fan joking on Twitter a little while ago when there was this proposal to shorten games. And a couple of dogs of us were like, yeah, shorten it by half. we we'll, we'll make finals. <laughs> they probably would too. That very, was pretty funny. Very
1: competitive. But at least if yeah. they can find a funny side of it. They're obviously building. And a lot looking, of injuries too. Yeah, a lot of injuries. They're looking towards next year. They've been doing that for at least a month. They won't openly admit that, uh, nor should they, but it's quite plain to see that, Just want to get through 2018. um, Any more unscathed than they already are. They can't really do with any more injuries. Can't take another trick. Yeah, obviously Port with Paddy Ryder back in are a much more... Menacing team obviously allows Charlie Dixon to just stay Charlie, for, Dixon. Charlie Dixon stay up forward clunk big grabs like he big does man. and kick goals. He loves Ballarat. He's kicked nine goals in the last two games. <laughs> he, he's there. He's so. hoping
0: the grand finals played in Ballarat.
1: Yeah, look, I think everyone is. In Port, yeah, would yeah be. In Port would be. go there, especially in How horrible funny. conditions.
0: So the game was basically played. In the middle of the night because it was so dark, it was about zero degrees. It was legitimately towards zero. I'm not exaggerating. It was one degrees at the start, or yeah. like the start of the day. There, the lights weren't suitable for the ground, so it was basically played. So apparently, Ken Hinckley had to watch it on the TV screen because he because the, the lights of the cameras were better than what he could physically see from wow. out, outside of the coach's box. So he was literally coaching while watching the tele Funny. and on the phones and stuff. Like I like, said. You know, but to... <laughs> having said
1: that, I can't think of his name for the AFL. The guy's in charge of the scheduling. Oh, it's Bozo Pull... the Clown. No, he's actually... He had... he was on the radio as I was driving here. And he it's actually... he marks, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Could be... Uh, no, it's not. No, I don't know his name. I can't remember. But Paul someone, something. Anyway, but he admitted that it was, it was incorrect to uh, schedule that at that time. In the winter, clearly. In the middle of winter. And they did it... A... So that the games could be spread. So they definitely already said they're going to look at either scheduling that game at this time of the year earlier in the day or have both Ballarat games do it, do it at the round, start of the year. Do it round one the and round year. eight or something like that. I think, yeah, that's the other yeah. way they're going to do it. So at least they can admit it. They said, yes, we stuffed up. I haven't heard that all year. No. So it was nice and refreshing well, to hear especially someone think, from AFL House yeah. saying,
0: yep, we stuffed up. Well, especially after last week when Hocking was on one narrative and Gillen McLaughlin was on the other narrative. It was, yeah, they probably had to be a bit honest. Yeah,
1: that was interesting because <laughs> there was a lot of uh, camera vision of them two standing next to each each other yeah. at the game on Constantly. Friday night. On Friday so? night, in the race too. Oh, so you are on the same path, Did like the get... physical path. <laughs> you might not be on the mental path together. Did they get so.
0: lost or something? What were they doing down in the race? I hope.
1: Look. I don't
0: know. Probably got
1: paid to be there. It seems it did it did seem fishy, didn't it? It did seem a little bit dodgy and watched the television station I had to just constantly put the camera on I'm like they're not the players. We don't care. We don't yeah. care. I really,
0: Football. One or two times was funny because there was that one shot where he would he looked really upset and I did that thing on Twitter where I was like dad face when you the umpires are the problem not the rules. So. <laughs> And I thought it was cute that I think it was um,
1: Hawking's daughter was like you can tell it's like Dad this is a shit let's go <laughs> I don't
0: like that other man yeah that's it <laughs> but now look we won't go into this game too no. really. obviously one team's way out of it for the season in Western Bulldogs but also it was a horrific game one of the worst games of the year without a doubt it was nothing to get excited about unless you're a hardcore Port Adelaide fan yeah back in the top four for them now so that's so good only eight goals scored in the first half and when you get towards that it's it's never particularly particularly pretty and it didn't get much better in the third quarter five and so But yeah, Port had to win and they they, they, they made it happen. And they pulled away in the second half. And obviously Charlie Dixon makes a massive difference when you've got one guy... Coming out and getting five goals too in, in those sort of horrendous, blind, pitch black conditions, good on him. If he can kick these yeah. outrageous conditions, why can he not do this in, in big games? On that sunny, is a question.
1: On a sunny day, At on, on a gym, big Opal, I don't understand. When you've got yeah. uh, the class of people like Jared Pollock giving it to you, lace out, yeah. and that's my smokey for the Brownlow. He has been. Good. interesting. Yeah, I think he has been elite uh, all year. I think he's only had a handful of down games. Obviously, Wines and Gray will take some votes off him potentially but that's it. I don't think I don't see any other players at port taking too many votes off him. They're gonna finish probably fourth or fifth yeah so they're going to get enough wins but yeah I think he's been he's been super and he was again super on the the weekend I think he was the best on ground along with Charlie Dixon
0: yeah so look Gray was good as well you know Farrell I thought had an okay game Westhoff was was better than last week you know Motlop kind of bobbed up here and there but there's not many highlights out of this game it was a pretty poor game There was only two players that scored more than a goal so Trengrove got 2-1 and Dixon 5-2 so it was a pretty pretty poor game all round really so we'll keep we'll keep moving because I think this was just not much to talk about out of this game. No, exactly the right. And, As you said, yeah.
1: one team's on the March to September, the other's just sort of sticking around till the end of the season, basically. But and that's not a blight. Yeah. I'm not no, having no, a no. go at the dogs, obviously. They're realistic no. about they can't make finals. They've got a horrendous injury list, and it's just a matter of being competitive so they don't look like they're tanking.
0: But also, even hardcore dog supporters are going to know that the reality is this was such poor conditions. It's really hard to analyse a game out of, like... So the stats, contested possessions, 163 to 174. Port in front, uncontested, 165 to 164, but in such a, you know, a poor game. Port just got way more options, 13 marks inside 50. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Not much to analyze out of this game. So we'll move into the last game of the round. Fremantle versus the Hawks, 53 to 112. Hawks really taking care of Freo, nearly 10 goals, 59 points. What did you think of this game?
1: It was Hawthorne Pawn. Yeah.
0: Basically, that's what it
1: was. I I was uh, texting a mate throughout the game, and I said I would be switching off if I was an Hawthorne supporter. Uh, It was was one way street. Well, Sunday's footy was, as I said from the start, was not great. Yeah, so I'm just going to deep dive and analyse just... Hawthorne for a second I don't generally like doing this but basically it's the only thing I've got to talk about your um, <laughs> friend was pretty poor very poor and they've been missing a heap of players as well but what I liked about Hawthorne A is they're starting to practice or implement the modern forward structure and go one out with either they had um, Showmakers back and Ruffy and a lot of the time it was Showmakers one out and Ruffy would play up a little bit yeah. and just allow the crummers to uh, do what they do play their high possession game again so. Every Hawthorne player got double-digit possessions and only two players didn't lay a tackle. And funnily enough, one of them was uh, Gunston, which is normal, but Burton, who plays off the half-back line, didn't lay a tackle, but everyone else did. And that's just the pressure. They were hunting in packs like they did years ago, obviously led by Mitchell, Shields, Burgoyne, and that guy we got from the Suns, O'Meara. So, yeah. (laughs) That guy. Yeah, okay. so, yeah, they, uh, it was just a, a team performance. Warple I liked as well. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. There's continuity and some game time into some fringe players. So Warple, Oroch, and Tia Miles all did their job and did pretty well. I think uh, it's just going to allow Clarko next year, especially to have lots of um, choice through the midfield, as we've discussed about those elite teams, your Collingwood, your Richmond, Richmond. your West Coast. they got so much depth of those Small to medium size in height players that can run in the midfield or off half-back, half-forward It's what looks like Hawthorne yeah. starting to build towards. It was great to have Berg going back in. He just, yeah, adds some poise to it, and it was a good win. I didn't expect the win, and it was nice to come away with four oh, points. I thought you guys were going to win. Yeah, no, you did. Points. I just thought, oh, they've been up and down all year. Hawthorne, is this the game that they dropped before? They no five hit a real for half half Lance, though, yeah. Massive, and no McCarthy, no Tabernard, no... No no, uh, Bringo, no Paul, no Paul. No George, no Mick John. Jagger, no none of them <laughs> they, But they actually didn't look like a team for a lot of the game throughout. They're very young and they're trying to figure out where all the pieces go And Absolutely,
0: when- they yeah. are they just, yeah, It was just too much for them to give an idea of, of you know Hawthorne's efficiency and how well a lot of these guys played their role, like at one point Stratton had seven intercepts from nine touches. So yeah, again, that's exactly what they want him to do, yeah. and that's exactly what he did, he did almost every single time. He was other,
1: uh, He was one of my notes that I <laughs> forgot to mention. He's just again going under the radar as an elite defender, can play tall or small, and doesn't let anything get past him. No, he's fantastic. Not even his mullet. No,
0: he's a he's a stays strange behind. Human, but he's. <laughs> He does very well. I thought, you know, obviously, again, Mitchell probably will go and get another heap of Brownlow votes. He's doing very well. Two goals, 42 disposals is uh, pretty ridiculous. And then Ruffy was okay. You know, Burgoyne, okay. But, yeah, they didn't have to do much. This wasn't much of no. a challenge. And Bruce, is, as you mentioned, is elite. I think he's been fantastic. Yeah.
1: Stefan Giro was really, really good for for the Dockers. He's only 19. He he tried and tried and tried. And, obviously, you could tell he's quite inexperienced, uh, A couple of his decisions weren't bang on, but he's... His effort there was amazing. The other two, oh, three players that have been amazing all year Neil, Mundy, Langdon, they were all pretty uh, serviceable along Brayshaw, Brayshaw as well. Too. Yeah, he's, After that, though, then it's a big drop off. They, they were convincingly beaten in all their positions. So yeah. Not like all Tucker. To, I don't
0: think Tucker's going to be a player. But he yeah. will be,
1: yeah, absolutely. They're a they're, they're young brigade, and we've said this a number of times throughout the year, especially the second half with Freo. They're, they're going to be good once they get those 20, 30 games together. Yeah, I
0: think it's definitely next year, even if they get Sandlands and, Mundy back, um, and Fife back. Yeah. There's not too much to talk about that. <laughs> not in this game. really. It is, I mean, Fremantle Monday. was so poor, and Hawthorne was pretty much one yeah. way straight. So, yeah. in terms of every break, like, it was, you know, not really much competition. So, 3-3 three, three to 5-2, 3-5 to 8-6, 4-8 to 14-8. So, once again, the Hawthorne third quarter kicks in, and then 7-11, uh, which is... Yeah, that nice was a disability, and then... 17-10
1: uh, Yeah it's probably the one Disappointing thing Coming out of Hawthorne's camp Is that they did allow uh, Freo to win that Last quarter And, and just a couple of Little disposal errors That they do that Against elite teams They're going to get exposed and and, and and potentially Lose their grip on In the top 8 So hopefully they Look at that During the week Make up for it coming weekends. What do you think of our man Mario Kart Warple? Yeah, War- Warple is he's very, very good. He's that type of player that I think Hawthorne need now that Cyril's gone they're not putting him in the same kettle as Cyril they're not by any stretch of imagination but the Cyril kettle someone someone who has the ability to run through the middle but you'd prefer that he spends a bit more time forward kicking goals what did you think of your man John O'Rourke as well he worked himself into the game so it was the best game I've seen from him this year and he, while his disposal still lacks a little bit and there's another guy Caden Brand as well what they were able to do defensively was great he stopped a lot of balls especially in the second half moving forward Ended up with 20 possessions at about 70%. So he was good. And Caden Brand uh, stopped it a lot as well. But they've just got to get better with their disposal and hitting up players in the right spots rather than going for uh, what might look like the safer option, but the guy's under pressure and stuff like that. But that comes from continuity. It comes from playing at the elite level week in, week out uh, for a number of weeks. So I think they're building. And yeah, hopefully... Well, I don't think he's under pressure with the number of outs for injury. No. And uh, obviously, Daniel Howell out for uh, punching people and kicking them in the leg and stuff like that so yeah I think if the Hawthorne can stay settled now with this team I think it would be better for the long term success of the club
0: that's it so we might close it up there thanks so much for listening guys we really appreciate it big round of footy to talk about there was so many interesting games obviously the first couple we waited you know, in terms of the length a little bit more but there was just so much to talk about out of that first game Essendon continue that run and then Sydney that massive drop off top team falling away and then, obviously, heaps talk about out of the richmond Collingwood game. And then the Adelaide Ds as well. But, you know, look... Well, they were, the three, three. they
1: were the three big games yeah. before the round. They turned out to be the three big talking games as well, so... Yeah, look, if you're disappointed because we didn't talk about one of your team, oh. your team, you back. that's just the nature of the beast. It's a month At least ago- we did. Most yeah, people don't Exactly right, it, and so- it's a month before finals and we have to
0: talk about the games that are relevant. And, and we, it- we stuck with a lot of these teams for ages, so as soon as it mathematically became impossible with some teams... Then we started... Absolutely. And that's going to happen every year. We have to do like that on the podcast because otherwise if we spend 10 minutes per game, we've completely undersold the Richmond-Collingwood game and then spent 10 minutes talking about Caton versus, you know, Gold Coast as an example. Like, it's just not... The only one probably North Eagles, but it wasn't much of it. It was a lot on it, but it wasn't much of a spectacle. It wasn't a great game. The standard wasn't incredible. North were fantastic. Eagles, I thought, were lethargic through a lot of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we and we do and we have spent a lot of time speaking about those teams throughout yeah. the year as well. So we do try our best to to weigh it over the long haul with yeah. each of the teams. But it's, it's all about the teams that are going to be playing finals now. Well, we got a month to go. Yeah, that's it. So thanks so much for thanks listening, so much as we guys. Said. Really, thanks appreciate it. to the guys at Hobster Home for their. Patronage
0: and uh, support of us and giving us beer. Free beer, that's always very good. It's thanks great. to them. And
1: I'm not even drinking at the moment. No,
0: <laughs> his old mate over here is doing a, an ultra marathon soon. So he's being healthy, and I just drink beer in front of him, which is uh, what a good friend does. It just so does, exactly
1: right. It's very motivating. motivating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I only had the one no, beer. No, I'm that's joking. no, right. I'm
0: actually, it is motivating for
1: me. Right. I get, get the smell at
0: least. Okay. <laughs> so, so thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow for the preview, but then also keep in mind as well check out the Facebook live show on Beyond the Game so that's at 7.30pm Australian East Coast Standard Time on the Beyond the Game Facebook page so if you type into the search engine on um, Facebook you'll see Beyond the Game really switched on and I'll put it all up on our social media we will see you tomorrow thanks guys see ya